dirty, nasty, and controversial sports talk podcast for all things Detroit sports and sports worldwide. Here are your hosts, Tony, Joey, Frank, and Gerard, four lifelong friends born and raised in South Detroit. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Revolutionary Sports Front, episode 19, and the boys are back in town. We finally got the old gang back together. Um, I'm with Gerard and Tony, live, Joe, with us on Skype as always. And, um, you know, we've been taking a little bit of breaks here and there with the show, but unless you like baseball or golf, you haven't missed much. But um, we're excited. We're back. And today... UFC 200 happened, though? Oh, we're going to get into that right now. And I've been holding in this stuff on John Jones for a while. Um, but yeah, we're just we, we missed you guys. We're back, uh, and we're excited to get dive right into it. So, John Jones, UFC 200. Um, what been, the fuck was he thinking? I've been holding this in. Frank's been texting the group about wanting to go on this diatribe for three weeks. So I think we need to give him a moment, let him just unleash. Keep, all right, you're building what you got. Make the air clean again. Make the let air it clean. Out. Okay. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that John Jones. Again, tested positive for some estrogen blockers um, days before the fight. He was supposed to headline UFC 200 against my boy, Cormier. In my eyes, a real champion, how a champion's supposed to be. But um, look, guys, if you listen to this show or if you just know me in general, you know me. I, I'm down with the character issue, guys. Okay, I'll, I'll fist bump a targeting call. Okay, I'll head nod a horse collar if you're down by a lot. Okay, <laughs> a guy, roughs, a guy roughs up his wife. Okay, you know, I'll look the other way. Domestic violence, all right. But there's one thing I'm not going to tolerate, and it's a junkie. And that's exactly what John Jones is. He's a junkie, he's a loser, and he's a fraud, and he's a liar, and he's a thief. He robbed Cormier of his deserved rematch. And if you know anything about Cormier, you know he deserved that fight. He wanted that rematch, and I personally think he would have won. We'll get into that when we go around the room. But John Jones turned his back on not only himself, but his fans, the company. And luckily, Dana White, being the, the great businessman that he is, he dug Anderson Silva up from Brazil on, what, 35 hours notice. And it turned out to be okay for everyone. But it doesn't excuse John. And then another thing that it these... It wasn't an okay Let me finish. Though. Let me finish. Another thing these junkies like to do, and it's like anything in life. And he is a drug addict. We know about the cocaine. We know all that stuff. He goes on there. They always want to play the victim. He goes up and holds his press conference, and he's crying, and it's poor me. He did the hitting. He did the running. He tested positive for the estrogen blockers. It's his fault, but it's like, why did God do this to me, and I'm going to recover this, and the Lord, and this stuff, and he's always the victim when it's his fault. I'll say it again. He's a junkie. No one else wants to take the hot take, and I'll never understand why I've been going around to different parties, different social events, and people still want to defend this guy. And if you notice, even before he got popped for these estrogen blockers, at the press conference before, he goes, I've been clean for three months. The whole crowd goes nuts. Cormier says, I've been clean for 36 years. And they all boo. And it just, like I said, guys, I like character issues, and I'm, I'm down with all of that. But when it comes to th- stuff like this, it just makes me sick. And luckily, it all worked out for UFC 200, and it was still a good card. But John Jones is, I hope, I hope he, he's a waste of talent, and I hope, uh, I hope nothing good comes for him. All right, I'm before done. I start talking, I'd like to point out when Frank says he doesn't care about domestic violence, he meant he doesn't care about the league disciplining him. Obviously, you it's know horrible. What I meant. Leave it to the police. That's what we're saying. But you know what, Frank? I stood on this show or sat 
and I defended John Jones. I said they took a man's belt when he couldn't perform. But after this, he shouldn't even be allowed to wear a belt to hold his pants up. The only belt he should have is a... Like the junkies wear it, they should have the old shoestring belt. Okay, I got to get in on a couple things. A, I mean, yeah, Anderson Silva getting in on 35 hours notice. Great call by Dana White. Unfortunately, fight wasn't too exciting. I mean, you could tell Anderson was doing better on the feet, and then Cormier knew that. He played smart, just took him down to get the win. All right, we can admit that Silva doesn't so that, have it anymore. That was a horrible and, fight. It was a horrible fight, but he won over the crowd, and it was it was yeah. it was it could have been a lot worse. And you know, that, like, like I said, I'm glad it didn't get completely boshed from from the whole John. Jones yeah, fiasco. I mean, and it was good for DC to be able to get a fight in, show like, yeah, I'll fight this guy. I mean, I get it. He did the smart thing, but here's the problem. He should have just walked, and when he got on that mic and everybody's booing him, he should have been like, I fought how I had to to win. I won. Drop the mic. Walk off. Tell the crowd to go fuck themselves, and they'll probably love him. But instead, he does the whole, well, you know, it's a tough fight, and tries to explain himself, and the crowd just turns on him even more. And that's the thing I don't, and like you said, they fucking cheer uh, John Jones for being sober for three months, and then they boo Cormier for saying he's been sober for 36 years. And it's one of those things where it's because they want, like, John Jones to make that comeback. Because in the so many fans' minds, he's still the champion because he didn't lose his belt by losing a fight. I think you make a good point. Except I was going to say no, this with the drug test is, A, you pop positive before for cocaine. You know they're going to be testing you. And yet you're going to fucking take estrogen blockers probably because you're taking steroids. Oh, you're definitely what taking What the fuck are you thinking? That's usually the case, yeah. No, I, I think you made a good point with the um, with the thing about the crowd. No, you should never ask for the crowd's approval, and that it usually works out better when you don't. And also, I think what you're saying just speaks to how monstrous fans can be sometimes. And sometimes I love it, but yeah, when you're talking about a drunken, rowdy crowd, um, they're gonna. They, you, he could go out there. It seems like and say, "Yeah, I got hopped up on cocaine and rolled my car into a ditch and almost hit, hit an old lady," and they would cheer. It's just I think at a certain point with violence and greatness, they just don't care what people do. Like you see in the NFL all the time, no one cares what Ray Rice did. If, you, if you're a Ravens fan that he could still play, you oh, wouldn't yeah. give a damn about they, that chick in the elevator. They were like showing him the crowd in like the one preseason game he played in. There's like women like holding up signs. There was saying, t-shirts. I support, yeah. I support Ray Rice, and I'm like, wait, you're a woman supporting Ray Rice. After he literally knocked the fuck out of his girlfriend in an elevator. It's amazing what people do. Uh, I got four things I need to get off my chest real quick since you guys oh, been only talking. four? Real quick. First of all, the reason why people like John Jones is everybody likes like a Reformation story. Jesus coming back from the dead type thing. Everybody loves it. The Messiah complex. Gone they love the comeback. While. They love the comeback. Second the of all. Messiah complex. Is that really a thing? I just, you know, if it isn't, I'm, I'll put it next to my couch theory. And put it in the books. But then, Tremendous. second of all, the, the DC fight, I like thing. how DC fought because Silva, although he has lost the stuff, is still a dangerous striker, still nicknamed the Spider. Any shot could have caught him. And after you have Diaz lose, uh, Diaz beat McGregor on short notice, and then you have Bisbing pull the upset of the, his lifetime, get the belt from Rockhold. These people taking fights on short notice are actually winning a lot. So the way he fought was smart. He got out with the victory, and I was going to fight somebody else for the belt. So he's okay there. Thirdly, I'd like to point out when John Jones, uh, this is from Chael Sonnen on the Joe Rogan experience, he was saying the reason why John Jones was pretty dodgy and against it in his press conference is because he probably had another positive test out there, just like Chael did back in the day. Well, that's what Chael thought, but the thing is, they didn't actually test John after that test they took on the 16th, which is the one he popped positive for, and that's the thing, is then Chael Then when was the second positive? He didn't have a second positive. Yeah, he did. 
He tested positive for two estrogen blockers. Oh, two different ones. Two different yeah. estrogen blockers. Okay, okay. Why well, comment is two positive? You're both right, and he did. Uh, he did uh, got tested. Wait, like the gap between when he got tested for the last time and when the when the results came out was a pretty big gap in the shot. Well, it's people. because they recheck it after positive test. Because when they say a guy is positive, they want to make sure that it's right. But that was one thing that Chael Sonnen actually did say on the Fighter and the Kid podcast when he found out that they didn't have another stamp out there. He goes, this is a guy that's tested positive before, and so you tested basically three weeks before a fight, and then you're not testing yeah, him again? That and the, that's like the only test you've taken? On the Joe Rogan experience, he pointed out like the UFC is not doing their job, and USADA isn't doing their job. You don't test somebody within that three-week ban between the uh, span. I don't know. I, I mean, it's true, but I mean, what does that have to do with anything? He's still. I mean, was you trying to defend John Jones? No, I'm not defending him. It's indefensible what he's done. Well, yeah, USADA has its flaws for sure. It's fairly new. I'm just saying they should have tested him again. Still a junkie. And the fourth thing I want to say was this goes with what Frank's saying. I don't understand. Colin Coward pointed out. I don't particularly like Colin, but why doesn't anybody like DC? Like, I don't. I've never get it. If never fans get why people don't like him, email us in. But I'll never understand it. I think Frank because there. he got his first title shot. Because he was on a lot of the UFC programming that's on Fox. And he just kind of kept calling out John Jones until he got the fight. Even though... Yeah, that's what McGregor a lot of people, did, though, to get his fight. And everybody loves yeah. McGregor. Well, McGregor's going out there knocking people out. And that wasn't what Cormier was doing. Cormier was going out there, getting wins, and then saying, I want to fight John Jones for the belt. And a lot of people were like, yo, slow your roll. Wait your turn in line. And the way Cormier was doing it wasn't the way McGregor was doing it at press conference and stuff. Cormier is doing it where he's supposed to analyze these other fights, and then he'd bring up, like, oh, I want to fight John Jones. Which, I mean, that people thought, felt that he didn't deserve the first match. When he got the first match, I mean, he hung with him. With him. He was able to win a round of the fight. He proved that he belonged there with John Jones. And everybody was pumped after that to see Cormier go out, get a win, and there'd be a rematch. And then everything... And it took Went years to, to get to this big one. That's why. Yeah. I, that's why I made the point to where it was such a big deal for him to do that because Cormier and even John Jones, in his tears of, of shame, basically admitted that he's like, you know, I know he really deserved this fight. He wanted this fight. He trained hard for this fight, and he blew it. But I, I, I wanted to get Joe in on this because I think he's going to agree with me on this. And we haven't heard his voice once since the podcast started. But um, with when it, I, yeah, Cormier is not a big sell, and I'll never quite understand that because he's a stand-up guy. But when it comes to John Jones, I get it. He's an exciting fighter. You know, he's out there in his first fight throwing knees at legends, and he's exciting to watch. But, I mean, am I wrong when I say if you listen to him talk, he's – I don't really – he doesn't have a big big appeal to me. I mean, he's not a big draw in my eyes. I love entertainment, and I love the build-up to fights. But John Jones doesn't strike me as this – charismatic guy. I, I, I just don't, never really saw that with him. And our buddy Walt always is talking about how cool he is. I'm like, is he? If you listen to him interview, he just sounds like a basic, like overly well-spoken dude. You know, I just don't think he's much of a sell in my, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Joe. So I, before, before I go on, um, and, and talk, talk about this, uh, I, I got to make a pledge to you guys. I've, I've been, I've been kind of failing y'all with the whole UFC side of things ever since we started the show. Um, Tony, you know, I used to be way more into UFC, uh, back in college. We used to watch it all the time together, Uh, man. Yeah. We used to, we used to never miss a a thing. And then UFC kind of blew up and I just couldn't keep up. I, you know, I started working a, no, no more excuses, boys. I'm going to get back into it. I'm going to be able to speak intelligently on the topic, but I I will, I will, I do want to say this. And and in my mind, it applies to all sports and you know, I, I love, I love hockey. I love, I love football. And, uh, you know, I'd hate to see it happen in those sports, but, it, you know, I think one day it will. 
Um, but this is this is my this is my stance on on all this. In sports, there's no room for PEDs or any drugs of that sort. And if you test positive, you deserve the consequences. And the, and and with that, there's no room for cheaters, right? So you have you have other things that guys are doing in sports these days. I'm not going to mention any names, but there's no room for cheaters. And if you don't like it, well, then you shouldn't have gotten caught. And in three. Uh, there's no room for sob stories. Like, what? When did athletes become such pussies about this kind of this kind of stuff? Like, That's dude, what just I'm go saying. up, go up there and own it, man. Like, listen, you got caught. There's no way around it, and no one's gonna think any more highly of you if you go up as a grown ass man, a fighter no less, and just start crying about it. No one cares, dude. No one cares about your feelings. Seriously. So why don't you own it? Get back to work, and then uh. And, and you know, own it, do your time, and get back to work. And we'll see you again when you're off your suspension, man. You I know would. what? You know what people would rather see is is you disappear and then reappear and knock someone the fuck out. That would be badass. That's a, that was just the point that I was trying to make when he got up on that press conference. I know you you probably didn't have time to catch it, but he's up there and it's like poor me and all this stuff. And it's like, dude, not only are you guilty this time, you've been guilty many times before in the past. It's got nothing to do with God's plan for you. It's got about what you do. Don't get behind the wheel and don't freaking take estrogen. Don't take whatever you were taking. Maybe he, maybe he really was hopped up on Viagra and stuff and estrogen blockers, but it's still a banned substance and it's still whatever. I think we just talked about USADA. I think down the line they should uh, take into account um, what's the word I'm looking for? like people's intentions, whether or not. But right now it's just too foggy to well, do they, that. Well, but. they do take into account inten- intentions because there's a couple guys who got their suspension shortened from two years like to, Silva, six, right? to six months because they said, I don't know how this got in my system. Here's all the supplements I was taking. And they test them. And when they t- tested positive, they go to the store and buy them. And if they tested positive when they bought some samples from the store, then they'd appeal it just so that you couldn't like, right. and like it, oh, here's what I took. And you threw some of whatever. Yeah, then you got guys Googling, Googling what could like, you know, if you get pop for Shabalala, whatever, and then they Google and see what is Shabalala in. And they, there's a whole mess. I was just making, I don't no, want to get into that. It's, that could take it's hours. crazy with the testing of what they got to do. Like, John Jones has to turn over all his supplements. Now they're going to test them. Then they're going to test versus store. Like Tony said, it's a crazy process. Chill someone to point out the test used to cost $400. Now they cost like 10,000, but that's bullshit. You don't, if you pop on a test, you don't get a defense. Like, it's in your system. It's in there. You can't say, oh, I might have taken tainted meat. And own it, like Joe said. If you're going to take a supplement, like uh, in every NFL weight room, they have these are the supplements you could take. They're approved by the league. This is what you take. Don't take anything else. If you are going to take something, you bring it to us. We'll test it. We'll tell you if you can. That's how it always should be done. This is bullshit. These are grown men who are saying, oh, I don't know what I put on my body. I know exactly what I put on my body. I'm not a fighter. I know exactly what goes in it. And I don't know why these guys fighters, though. It's mostly junk. Uh, well, the thing with these fighters, though, is a lot of them have supplement companies as sponsors. And the funny thing is John Jones, in his press conference, tried to throw a supplement company under the bus. And the first thing that happened after that is they come out and say, we make sure none of our products have this shit in yeah, them. Yeah, that's true. But then uh, on Joe Rogan's podcast, again, he went to the site and the first thing said, this may have estrogen blockers in it. Yeah. So, I so, mean, I mean, who's right there? It's one of those where it's, uh, if you're a supplement company... You should know what's in your shit. And if you're going to say it's not in there, you shouldn't have it on your shit. I also want to break it down there. for the fans real quick. Estrogen blockers are taken after you take steroids to stop you from producing estrogen so you don't get man titties and you keep your uh, gains is what they do. Because when you have fake testosterone in your body, your testes stop producing testosterone. They shrink a little bit. 
and then to jumpstart it afterwards, you take the estrogen blockers, else your body's going to be producing too much estrogen to compensate for how much testosterone you're taking. Just if you want to know the science behind it real quick. Gerard, Gerard, yeah. I've actually been studying that. I've uh, Chapter three of the book I'm on right now, uh, hormones in, in, the, in the human body and how, how they help produce muscle. Uh, I could actually take it a step further. I'm not going to, but you'd be, you'd be damn proud of me. Yeah, just want to let I you know. Nice. I just don't get <laughs> these guys. These guys are supposed to be world class athletes in the best shape. And the, the biggest cop out of these whole, you know, excuses with the estrogen blockers and the uh, the USADA test is these these dick pills. And it's like, man, you guys are you know in your late twenties in great shape. I don't Boner know why. Jam I don't know 5, why you need all these pills to get your get, to get hard. I mean, I like popping up blue coke. magic as much as the next guy, but it's all good. And also, on a side note. One of these days, I'd say in about a couple months, we're going to be a better podcast than Joe Rogan, so we should just start using our own material. All right? I, I don't know Joe if we're Rogan, better than Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. He has Joe we're going to surpass that podcast. podcast. His time has passed, and we're going to be surpassing it. I so agree we'll start with using surpassing him, but okay? if you're not going to listen to us, you got to listen to that. All right. it's second all, best all, podcast. All I don't want him cited on here anymore. You can't, you, can't, you can't have a sob story. You can't blame other people. You, you start throwing other people on the bus. That, I mean, gosh, what a, what a sign of weakness. What a, what a great weak. sign of weakness. But in a transitional phase, does am I wrong to kind of think it's okay on, and contrary to John Jones? Isn't it kind of okay that Brock Lesnar took steroids? And that's how I'm going to start into this next part of it. No. Doesn't it just feel a little bit better? It's like, oh, Lesnar got popped too. It's like, ah, okay. Well, the funny <laughs> thing is, yeah, he's, he's good. He you know what I'm, is that wrong? <laughs> he's that good. Kind of, nobody, nobody's ripping on God, Lesnar. Is, I never thought no, of it that way. Hey, everybody so kind of funny. figured Lesnar was on steroids. But the funny thing, steroids. The funny thing with that is when people were saying that he came out and said, "Oh, people say I'm on steroids just because I'm a jacked white guy." Right. Yeah. And that, then you pop positive, you dumb fuck. And the funny, the funniest part about it is, didn't he? There, according to him, coming from the WD and making that uh, that lateral movement to the UFC, didn't he get more leeway on the testing procedures? No. I thought he like there was some controversy. No, over no, it. he popped positive or something, and then he proved it was for his condition already. Right. And so they let yeah, him get so going. He, yeah, he was already dan- tiptoeing well, He has, like, a liver rules. condition or something, uh, intestines. Uh, yeah, lost. intestines. He has but, yeah, I don't know. As soon as I heard that, because this whole mess with John Jones comes out, and then all of a sudden, you know, Lesnar did it too, and it was just like, eh, shoulder shrug. Well, he was just coming you know? back for okay. a one-fight contract. Nobody really cares. Well, that yeah, was, let him ride off of the sunset. It's well, like, the funny okay. thing is, is the guy who he fought after he tested positive – said, oh, I want half of the money he made because... Oh, rep- yeah, Hunt came out, right? Yeah, because yeah, it's reported that Lesnar made $2.5 for that fight. So Hunt's like, I want half of his purse or I want my immediate release from the UFC. And everybody's like, Hunt, in the press conference right before it, you made a big deal about, oh, he didn't have to go through the four-month testing program that everybody else has to go through to fight. He got that wave because he's such a big draw. And he's, I know he's going to be juiced to the gills. I'm still going to knock him out. And then he beat your ass for three rounds. Yeah, Hunt so, looked like he took a fall. You can't say you're going to knock out a guy who's juiced to the gills, then whine about it when he's juiced to the gills. I can't believe something that looks like Mark Hunt's allowed to fight in the uh, UFC, personally. But, I mean, have I you just, seen Roy Nelson? When it, when it comes to taking steroids, I honestly don't care. Just to be smart enough not to get caught. It's not that hard. They're allowed to have four times the normal amount of testosterone of an individual in the baseball. I imagine something like that in the UFC. So, you can take a little bit. It's just, t- steroids aren't that bad anymore they're kind of clean well just it's, make not sure even, it's, it's, it's really but not it's even steroids an a lot of people don't even take steroids anymore yeah, but dude it's, they all do it and we're gonna get into it we're getting down this path right now look how many of the main fighters all the name a good fighter right now that hasn't popped there's very few of them no no no. you're you're absolutely right i was just Lesner, the point that they're not john not jones steroids, silva 
you're saying steroids. What? I mean, a lot of most fighters aren't on steroids. It's the only the point I was making. You're right about everything else. I'm just saying they're not steroids. Okay, it's not necessarily steroids are actually kind of get made fun of. If now. you, I mean, it's still a steroid. Performance enhancing drugs. Human growth hormone Band is still substance. kind of a steroid in essence. It does have the same function in the body. Right. I'm just, I'm just keeping also, the vocabulary. Just, in for case our anybody podcast doesn't know, thing. you have to have steroids in your cell walls, and they there are good steroids. Yeah, but. I'm well, with you. I, I mean, hey, I'll just hop them all up and see who's the toughest on steroids if they're all going to do it. I, I just personally don't like think the fact everybody, a before human growth hormone was banned in the NFL, I think everybody took it, and I think they did it because it helped them heal. And if that's true and they had any science behind it, they should be allowed to take it still because they get messed up. So, yeah. so to clear up what Jerry's saying, for, for, like, for, for HGH and, and, and like testosterone and stuff, like the hormones have to connect to something to then get into the muscle and make it grow. So if there's no, if there's no receptors – to the growth hormone, to the, the hormone uh, um, uh, connectors coming in. I, I, I'm kind of fumbling with my words now. Um, it, it, you can't have one thing and not have the other is what he's saying. You can't have, you know, the hormones without without the steroids, you know, going hand in hand to connect and then, you know, in turn make the muscles build. Jerry, am I wrong? No, you're right. You're 100% All right. right. I want to get some growth. I don't also, get tested by USADA. Steroids are part of the Dude, lipid the family testing. I mean – that's like a whole nother topic for another show. This kind of shit they did. If you want to hear some of it, like Jerry said, there's that Joe Rogan podcast. Just on it. He goes way into it, which is funny. Like how he's at the MGM getting ready to shoot one of the Fox uh, right. UFC shows. And this guy just pulls him into a janitor's closet and says, I'm with you, Sada. I have to test you. And just was the first guy he tested. Had no clue what was going on. And this guy basically tells him to strip naked and piss in a cup for him. And then while he's in this janitor's car, he goes, oh, thanks for pissing in this cup. Now, here, let me stick this needle into your arm real quick and get some blood. I did hear that part of it. And, I, yeah, that was a long time ago, first of all. It's a, it's a funny story. And then, uh, yeah, he shows him. He's like, oh, I got to present my penis. Yeah, that's, that's pretty messed up. Yeah, you saw it. We could talk about that for a whole, a whole, ep, a whole show. So. But it's crazy. But I was just – we kind of danced around the Lesnar thing. I was just kind of making the point to where I think he should just be able to ride off in the sunset. I don't think he's going to fight again. Oh, he's and definitely not going to fight again after this no. positive test. He, he proved his point. He, he made a quick The steroid thing got blushed over. And he's just going to go back to WWE and keep juicing yeah, as much got, as he wants. I like to point out – oh, it's not WWE. He's got SummerSlam really coming. Yeah, it's Summer WWE. Coming. That's a sham. No, what are you pointing out? What? I thought it was WWF, but it's oh, WWE okay. now. That's what's up. Well, guys, and then, so that was UFC 200. A lot was going on there. I had to get that off my chest. I appreciate the audience listening. And then we also, big news, we got uh, the 202 is finally official unless something crazy happens. Tone? Oh, yeah, 202, we got the main event. Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz. Oh, snap. It's time. That should be a great fight, I'm hoping. I mean, the last one was a good fight. People are all over the place with this one. Man, I've been to a couple different gatherings and, and with different people in different circles. And, I mean, you got guys from knockout here on one side to a just quick submission on the other side. I still haven't made a final uh, prediction yet. Maybe we can do that at the end of the segment. I, we can muster one up. But um, I'm excited about the fight. Like I said, people are it everywhere. It would be a final prediction because we still got well, we we got time. shows before August the August 20th, on, on, yeah, 820 at 10 p.m. I want to make that my my comeback into the UFC fan base. That that might be like the best time to just break 202? right back in. Thanks for sharing that with oh, us, yeah. Joe. That's real. That's real good insight there. But uh, I honestly can't hey. predict this fight. I have, I mean, I'm going to pick one afterwards. But it's pretty much a coin flip, in my opinion. I think McGregor's going to be more prepared a hot this time. Take. It's not. It's a coin flip, guys. I can, I, it pretty much is. <laughs> Diaz is obviously better than him, but McGregor's McGregor's going to be way more prepared. 
And uh, well, they're both going to be more prepared. The big argument uh, here's the two arguments I've heard. I think Diaz has a lower ceiling. The big than two, McGregor. The, the two big arguments that are out there are in McGregor's favor. He's gonna you uh, use his energy more. He'll be a lot more comfortable at 170 with the power he's training with guys. I think he referenced six foot plus, and he's uh, sparring with middleweights, so he's gonna be more prepared. But at the same time, the Diaz lovers um, are coming out saying, uh, you know. If he's going to fight like that on nine days' notice, what's he going to do with a full camp and all this stuff? He didn't even spar, and he would never get caught with that left if he didn't spar. So you got two major arguments on each side, and you got the people that are creeping around in between. And I still, like, I'm torn on it. I, I don't know. I'd like to see McGregor win so there'd be a for three. I'm not seesaw. I'm just telling you what the arguments are out there, and I, I've dug those up on my own. So I think I think it's going to be McGregor. I don't know. I I was a big – you know, I, I'm pretty sure I spoke strongly about the ability to prepare for a fight and then, you know, fighting out of your weight class. It's just, it's something that kind of screws you up. And you kind of even mentioned that a few minutes earlier, but I think McGregor with time to prepare, he's able to bulk up a little bit, get a little stronger, uh, work on his ground game a little bit more. I think, uh, I think this time it's going to be McGregor and revenge, revenge can be a nasty thing. Yeah. They say it's easier to chase it than be chased, but Honestly, I want Diaz to win so McGregor can just go back to 145 and start fighting those guys. Am I the only person that feels that way? He's going to go back to 145 what? anyways. But if he I wins, I'm not saying there's going to be a rubber match. There's going to be. He, it's already been addressed. There's going to be a rubber match. He said if he wins, but he's got to go. There's no matter what, they're not going to let him just dance around with that belt even if he wins. He's going to go face Aldo for sure. Like for sure, no matter win or lose, he's facing Aldo. All right, that's Aldo. some good news, Frank. You just put my mind at ease. For sure. Bit. But um, That's the nicest the thing, thing you said with, all day. The thing with McGregor, though, is like, you know, Joe just re- referenced uh, – building a ground game like you know the the difference between diaz's ground game and mcgregor's ground game is like me being a white belt and someone being a black black belt i can't just go pick up a ground game in three months and mcgregor's on the ultimate fighter like talking like coaching his guys up and he seems to know a little bit about the ground game but diaz is a black belt in jiu-jitsu and they're, they're all about smoking weed and triathlons and jiu-jitsu man that's what they do and box with so I don't know if you can just go picking up a ground game in three months and match that. And as far as boxing goes, man, well, it was a close call. I mean, it was a – I don't know, man. I want McGregor to dude, win. You can practice but, your ground game. I almost feel like either you're good on the ground or you aren't. Like, no matter I, I how much you practice, who, who gets better on the ground? Have you seen anybody like – GSP? Not in three months. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying in three months. I'm just saying I mean, you, GSP, you just go grab a GSP ground spent game. years to get better on the ground. Yeah, he's the but best here, coach in the, the world. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Yeah, it's years not... and years. That's what I'm saying. It takes a, it's a long process to get better on the ground. It's Being on the ground and like being prone, that's weird. And jujitsu, sometimes you like being on your back because you can get chokes from it. I personally, when I wrestle, if I'm on my back, I'm like, oh, shit, it's about oh, to go Diaz down. Oh, Diaz wants to be on his back. If he's in the ground, yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. That have that mindset. Yeah. Where it's like I'm he okay on my back. Long legs, he can throw up those. I think that's almost something so that's easily. instinctual as a human being to be okay on your back. So I think they're just gonna, they're just going to bo- go ahead, Joe. I, I need I, to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't think it's so much that he's going to get that much better at his ground game. It's more or less the game plan. He's gonna he's gonna like you know work on a few things to avoid the strengths yeah, of Diaz. Sure, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like he, you know he, you still don't want to go to the ground with Diaz if he's that much better. Like I mean you like. He, he knows that well, there's, the there's no way, we, you know, uh, just us four sitting here knowing that like his camp knows that, but they're going to come up with a plan to avoid that and work, work the fight into his favor. And that's, that's slinging punches. Yeah. And one thing with Diaz is you really, Diaz is probably is not going to shoot a double leg or shoot for a takedown or anything like that. Diaz, the only way I see him getting a takedown is if they get in a clinch and he pulls guard from the clinch, but that's why you're probably going to see a lot of standing and banging. But at the same time, Diaz is one of those guys who 
he doesn't have a lot of power, but he can throw punches. Yeah, and he has a really good and chin bun- and face. Yeah, he's got a great chin, and he throws from awkward and he's angle. not scared of taking a shot right to the face, which is another odd thing to have as oh, a human yeah, he being. Took, he ate some big he's shots. He's a true banger. He's like an oh, old yeah. school banger, and Dude, that's why he, people like Diaz. He's like a straight-up street fighter, though. That's like the kind of guy that he is. He just He's going to stand and bang, and he doesn't care if he gets hit. He's going to th- let you throw your haymakers, and he's going to throw his haymakers and shit, even though he doesn't have much power. It's going to be a five-round fight, right, Tony? Oh yeah. oh, yeah, it'll be five. five rounds. Does anybody question McGregor's, like, endurance after the last I would, fight? You just, I was just going to make a point, because you guys like referencing uh, the Rogan and Chael so much. I was listening to it also. And um, if you listen, Joe, you can talk about the cardiovascular aspect of it, too. Uh, you know, they made a point. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to quote him exactly, but basically they were saying, um, you know, if he was pretty, the fight pretty much lasted about eight minutes. And if you train for three months, you're not going to be able to get your cardio to go from eight minutes going full out till 20 to 25 minutes. It's just not possible. So he's going to have to figure out a way to adjust that cardio and experts believe that, uh, it's just going to be really well, difficult. Well, the thing is McGregor should have been training for a while for five rounds because he's been in a lot of main events, so he's been fighting. But he gassed out. Rounds. I know, right? Yeah, he even said that that he gassed out, and that he basically every punch he threw, he tried to throw it as a knockout punch, right? And he blew all of his energy in the first round. So how's how are you going to get? I mean, I could see you going from seven or eight minutes to like ten or eleven or twelve or thirteen or fourteen, but getting to twenty five is the point that they were all well, smarter with throwing his shots. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm saying you know instead dude, of throwing, a big gap, dude, big instead gap. of winging hands, anybody who throws some more like, jabs. Even if you're worried, wonder what these guys have to go through. Just find yourself anything you can punch for three minutes. If it's like a wall or a punching bag i would not punch a wall not hard i'm talking (laughs) just light taps for three minutes while bobbing back and forth and dodging fake shots you'll be gassed it's like the best workout in the world for you can just shadow box and punch out the air so shadow box but actually get into it bounce back and forth you'll be gassed in three minutes these guys gotta go out there and do for 25 i honestly can't believe it but you guys i don't i might not sound like a psycho here do you understand what i'm talking about the gap between eight minutes and 25 does that make sense also with natural ability everybody i mean you can improve over time but you got your o2 levels which is how much oxygen you can possibly take in and if he has low o2 levels then it's going to be harder for him to improve his stand-up like i said he's been training with middleweights and he's been guys six foot plus and all this stuff so we'll see i mean we'll make our predictions when we have to before the 20th but well, yeah, I, you can you can yeah. expand your VO two, but just by just by hitting the cardio though. I mean, okay, so so the, and this is completely different from just like improving a ground game. To, to me, improving a ground game is like coming up with a game plan to, like I said, avoid avoid the strength of the other fighter. But cardio, cardio, you cardio in three months you can improve. I I know it. Is it going to be that drastic? I I don't know because there's so many other things he's got to work on, including getting a little bit uh, a little bit stronger and a little bit bigger to fight Diaz, but. Uh, cardio is something and you can improve your VO2 max. And so that way his recovery is that is a little bit better. What's his face? Um, you got the VO2. What I was going to say, I'm totally lost here. Somebody else picked me up. Jerry's out. No, um, I'm with, I'm with you. Joe. <laughs> I Jerry needs up his VO2. So it's a matter of, uh, it's a matter of how much in, with the cardio. So it's definitely possible to yeah, build okay, it, but so how much Joey, can you, you point out that like ground game is more of the game plan, but in the same way you could purpose, there's ways to conserve energy during a fight. You could put that in the game plan the same way. Oh, absolutely. Like, when you get on the bottom, absolutely. just protect your neck, let them ride you out. Or if you get on top, don't go for a choke. Going for a choke is truly straining. If you don't land it, you're yeah. dead. You're dead. Oh, that's, yes. why, that's why I mean, like you'll see guys who, what they'll do is they'll get the clinch and they'll just push them up against the cage and they'll lean on them. Cause they're not going to use any energy that way. And that guy's going to waste yeah, a bunch of energy. The problem for McGregor is, though, Diaz is bigger than him. So yeah, it's way easier for Diaz to conserve advantage. energy, even though he's a triathlete. 
Diaz can fight all out for five rounds. That's another great thing about Diaz. For sure. And if you listen to that press conference that they had before 200, about 202, McGregor came out openly and said, he's like, yeah, a lot of, I know a lot of people are going to expect me to come out there and dance around and like stick and move and all that stuff. But he said, my approach is going to be the same. I'm going to go out there and tee off on him. And he's just going to go at it just like he did last time. Maybe he's just saying that as like a little pre-warfare hype talk to throw, throw his mind out. But that's what he said. Speaking of uh, McGregor and what he's doing before the fight, did anybody catch that shot that uh, SportsCenter tweeted out where it's McGregor standing up and everybody else is sitting down and he's watching Aldo and Edgar fight? And he's like, looks very intently like oh, he's like studying it. Oh, he's staring at him. Yeah, yeah they, they circle him there. Yeah, I saw that. That's funny. I mean, he's, he's creep, prime man. talent. He's, he's prime time. He pulls big audiences. But honestly, I don't think he's that great of a fighter yet. I think the uh, book's still open on him. I think he's a great fighter and a great pre-fight drug. That, that last comp, uh, press conference, if you watch him, he seemed a little more scripted. Like it wasn't as it wasn't as pure as his other press conferences. But there's more to come. But he seemed a little more Hollywood. When you're in the coming last up one. knocking everybody out, though, you kind of get a little too cocky. You got too big for his yeah. Players. And I mean, humbled. that's one thing. Is you know what I mean? He hasn't fought a guy with a chin like Diaz has, where he could just go out there, throw a haymaker, connect, knock the guy out. Besides Diaz, Hendo, he lands I don't haymaker. Think has as good a chin as the Diaz. Now he, has. he landed like six shots, like, equal to what he did when he knocked out Aldo out with. Yeah. Diaz, and, and Diaz, Diaz just, just kept pressing. Yeah. Yeah. Diaz took him and kept How going. How do I hate Jose Aldo? Me too. But McGregor, McGregor's fought him now. He knows. Yep. He's got the experience. That's it. So Joe, he knows what he's got to do. Joe, you're taking Game McGregor plan. then. It sounds like for sure, right? Yeah, I, I, I like McGregor, and I, I hope he wins, and I, I think he's gonna win. I'll take McGregor then too. Um, like it, Frank. McGregor already cost me like five hundred dollars. <laughs> Are we going there right so, now? Uh, Jerry's got Diaz. I'm gonna have to take him again. I'm not putting any money on it. Actually, no, I got DS for sure. God. I'm not surprised, motherfucker. From Washington. Uh, this time, I'm going to take Diaz, but we still got time to change it. Yeah, okay. You, you, the, you have that right. You have If that the right. situation changes, I mean, we still got a month to go about, so the situation can still change. God, how funny would it be if McGregor popped for steroids and ruined 202? Oh, my God. Wouldn't that just be phenomenal? Be the UFC would be super glad that they sold right before this all happened. Oh, my God. Guys, uh, I just want to say thanks for letting me be on this segment. I'm going to have to cut it orally, uh, cut it out early in an orderly fashion, but um, we will carry the ratings, and I will be back next week. All right. You go make that money, boo-boo. All right. So now Frank's out of here. So moving on to the Olympics. Uh, first, we got some actually really, truly depressing news. Um, oh, we can't the- have fun with the Olympics. We're going to... Oh no, we gotta we gotta tone it down before we have some fun with the Olympics in Russia and their steroid problem. But uh, more steroid problems. A four-year starter, uh, four-time academic All-American, averaged fourteen point six yards a carry. Uh, Mike Sadler has passed away. What three carries? I think actually is three, but maybe four. (laughs) He had a twenty-yarder versus your school, Michigan. But uh, I just like to point out that every once in a while, somebody dies who truly like. In sports, I mean, people die all the time. Like, people, Belcher shot himself with the Kansas City, but Mike Sadler was taken away from us way too young, and I think it's really sad. He's about to go to Stanford Law School. He was uh, working as a teaching assistant while he was playing ball. He's incredibly funny if you look up his tweets before they delete his Twitter. I just, you know, today we lost a good person. And, I mean, the punter from Nebraska, I'm sure he's cool too. I don't know anything about him. And the other guy who's injured, I'm praying for him. But, uh, yeah, you know, I... I only saw Jerry's Sa- in love with a punter. I only saw Sadler twice at state, but he's my third favorite Spartan. And it, sometimes something happens, and you're like, "Wow, life is truly short." He was just driving around, slid on a slick road, and put his car into a tree. Hopefully, no drugs or alcohol were involved. 
I would imagine not since he was going to Stanford, but uh, yeah, it's just it's depressing. It kind of ruins the whole tone of the day. Yeah, I mean, and the thing with Nebraska is that guy was a great punter for them too, and he was still in school. So, I mean, you're looking at we got college football, what, like 33 days away now or something like that? Yep. And now they're going to be scrambling to find a punter. And it's one of those things where, I mean, there's probably guys still on the Michigan State team who played with Sadler, and that's probably going to oh, affect yeah, them. Oh, yeah, He was on the team uh, last year. He yeah. He graduated. That's, I mean, that's what I was thinking, but I don't exactly know. I mean, he came in as I'm a, not the big Spartan file like you are. Who knows, in, like, their third string offensive guard. As a freshman, he was who's sticking a punts on, junior. like, the three-yard line. He kicked one eight. I watched, I watched punter highlights today. I was so sad. I was watching. I was thinking about all these great memories I had at State. I remember my senior year, he stuck two against Michigan down on their three in that really close game where Johnny Adams pulled the cornerback uh, blitz without telling the coach. He had a 20-yard run in the last – the only time in the last not eight coachable. years that Michigan State lost to U of M. He had a 20-yard run. Against Iowa, when it was close, he had a 20-yard run. We ended up blowing him out. Against Nebraska, at Nebraska, in a key moment to send us to the fucking Rose Bowl, bring us back, he had the run against up the middle. He was holding the punt. And he was just – he was a – everybody – everybody who knew him loved him. And that's a truly great quality. Because I know there's people who don't like me, and there's people who don't like everybody on this podcast. But nobody could meet this guy and not like him. That's a uh, great thing well, to say. To, to, both, mean, to both these athletes uh, and their families, uh, rest in peace, praying for you. It's never never good to lose someone to uh, to an incident like that. So I uh, ho- hope, uh, hope the families get through it and the teams get through it. And uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a game, you know, and uh, this kind of stuff is pretty tragic. Yeah, but. this stuff is a lot bigger than sports, not just because he's an athlete, like – yeah, I mean these guys, you know, they got they got families, they got all these friends, they got that people who support them, and, and I'm sure they did, I, you know, from from you know the way you're talking, Jerry, you know, they probably did things that helped out the community, so they were they were doing things that branched out above sports, you know, things that helped communities grow and everything, and now we we just lost a, a couple good dudes, so um, it, it's an unfortunate occurrence in life, you know, what you know, ho- hopefully hopefully everyone moves on and and, and keeps moving forward from it. Yeah, I didn't want to be too depressing. He's just, I mean, literally besides him, it'd pretty much be like Draymond or Darrell Summers going down that would upset me from the state players. He's just, he was a great guy. I mean, speaking of Draymond, Draymond did uh, get in a little oh, trouble. Oh, yeah, we didn't have any time to talk about that. Let's uh, let's brain things up and talk about how freaking some bum corner who was already released from his scholarship was getting loud. Draymond Green yells at him, I paid for your scholarships around here, and smacked him. I think, I guess, like, from the way Jermaine Unmanson is the cornerback's yeah. name. He's a scrub. He gave up the touchdown against Nebraska. Yeah. And personally, real- I think he should have to spit shine Draymond's shoes for even talking to a two-time Final Four going NBA champion. Yeah, I was going to say, I think part of that Future is... Olympian. The cornerback wanted out of the school, and... He was already gone. That's They released the news afterwards. It was because nobody cared, but it was already out. He was out of the scholarship. Oh, see, because I saw that it was released afterwards that they didn't put any restriction on his transfer. So I thought that it was probably they were in the process of releasing him, but he had restrictions, and so he went out and caused the scene to try and get it. I'm not sure if the paper was filed, but he was told that he could go anywhere he wanted to before the slap. 
Okay. And now I, he's also money grubbing too. He's going for a money grab. He wasn't going to pursue. He's going to drop all the charges. Draymond's already out of the civil court. Five hundred and forty dollars for noise infraction. Everybody's got one of those at state. And then, not only that, they blew it out of proportion. They're like, oh, Draymond Green has a history of parking tickets at MSU. Has anybody ever been to state? You got in your car. Like, let's say you drop something on the ground, maybe a CD. You get out to pick it up. Pace will be behind you writing a ticket that moment. They write more parking tickets there than they do in New York City. Dude, I went to pick you up one time, and I was driving all around. And I'm like, where the... F-? And I called you. I'm like, where the hell am I supposed to park on this campus? Every single lot has, like, a sign that's like, you can park in this lot. From 5.30 a.m. to 6 a.m. I actually didn't even have a car up there and I was paying parking tickets because uh, my girlfriend at the time came to visit me and I had to freaking, every once in a while, I had some creep spots around campus where every once in a while we got popped and I got a $50 ticket. wasn't fun. Yeah, I mean, the way that they have parking set up there is insane. It's like all these lots say, like, open to the public. Then in small letters under it, it's like, oh, open to the public during, like, these times, which is, like, the most random odd times ever. And I'm like, where the hell am I supposed to park on this fucking campus? We don't have, like, a hero or go of the week or anything like that. But uh, in this case, Benny Fowler's the man, because I don't know what actually happened. But uh, he said Draymond didn't punch him. He's sticking with his homie. So that's what got him off. So good for Benny Fowler. The cop said it probably wasn't a punch. But then Edmondson released a statement, like, my face is still sore. It's like, dog, you play football. You get cracked. At- Le'Veon Bell used to run over you in practice. And trust me, we've seen the tape. You got run the fuck over. Like, don't give me <laughs> any shit. I would let Draymond Green punch me in the face. I don't give a fuck. Jerry, you'd do a lot of weird things for the Spartans, wouldn't you? Speaking speaking of uh, letting people punch you in the face, so last night uh, when I was at work, um, it, was, it was pretty quiet. It was probably about 1 a.m. and I was getting a little tired, uh, maybe a little loopy, so I decided to watch some Kimbo Slice, uh, old Kimbo Slice videos. And he used to go around and do this thing also called Money RIP. Talks. You see this thing that go, it's called Money Talks, and he would give dudes 100 bucks. If they let him just sock, if if they let Kimbo throw a right right into the center of their chest, and it was hilarious. I mean, these the the funniest part is these dudes would like you know catch their win, and they get up and they loved it because they were getting like a hundred bucks. And Kimbo was you know like he 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 put his backpack down, punch him in the chest, watch him stumble, go right back to his backpack and start counting dollars. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. Anyways. Uh, Jerry, you just reminded me of that. Let's well, give hey, a let's, shout out to my boy uh, that used to let people punch him in the face for uh, 20 bucks or like free if he got drunk enough. He let me, <laughs> give, me a t- let me give him a titty twister for like 13 minutes once. Didn't and once. we digress. Uh, wow. Let's move on yeah, to the obscure sports off. report. All right, so, is everybody ready for this? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> All right, the Obscure Sports Report. Way happier than anything we've talked about today. It's personally my favorite segment because I love Obscure Sports, but uh, OSR, here we go. For our OSR, we're going the Olympic edition. What odd sport that's not popular and mainstream, so no swimming, do you look forward to watching in the Olympics? And you know what? I'm going out to Seattle, Washington, which I visited last weekend. Shout out to Joe, best host I've ever had. I'm wearing your hat right now. Uh, What's your favorite Obscure Sport from the Olympics? Ah, uh, you know what? I'm going to have to say ping pong. Oh, that's a good one. Man, I, I love it, man. They're just like, like you know, when we play ping pong, we're like, you know, about a foot from the table maybe. Maybe we back up like two feet from the table. There's like these ropes that keep them in. They're like seven, eight feet from the table. And these guys are like walking over the rope, hitting these ping pong balls. And these things like float near and somehow they just smack the shit out of them. And they end up all the way back there. It's like holy cow, and the, and they make the they make the table look pretty small. 
That's all I'm going to say. I mean, these guys, I, I don't know where you're going to play crazy, ping pong. I like to too. point out how far back they stand from the table because they hit it so hard. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's unreal. I think it's I think it's harder than that's tennis. That's actually a really good one, Joe. I wasn't even thinking ping pong. That's on a whole different level. I'm really proud of you. <laughs> it's number 19 on the list of weird uh, Olympic sports, by the way. Really? What's? Well, you're going to have to do this. Like, top, give me the, after we all go through, after I want to get the top five. I want to get the top five when we're done. They're not as good as you would think, by the way, but yeah. Uh, I still want to hear them. Yeah, for sure. Is it my turn so, now? Tony, it's your turn. I'm going to have to go with uh, the skeet shooting. Because it's called skeet shooting? or No, I mean, I'm... I mean you guys know I, I'm a firearms enthusiast. I like to go to the range and shoot. So watching these people who are literally at the top of the game almost go shoot, it's awesome to watch because they're just amazing at it and like in the last one i think it's it was cool. like one of the women sh- basically from the u.s shot basically a perfect score no it is cool it is cool yeah i agree all right so this one you guys might not be able to pick up from the name but uh i'm not sure if it made this olympics but it was definitely in london and it's dressage does anybody know what it is isn't no. it some kind of horse thing <laughs> what is that all right all right tony's close it is the horse thing but it's the fancy where you uh do the little ponytail on the horse's head and you run around you jump to things and it's, it's pretty much about how the horse trots and we did a whole thing about jackies and how they are athletes and how you know horse racing is a real thing at the same time however i'm not gonna lie jockeys do creep the hell out of me but this is not a sport people Prancing a horse around. Horses running fast is a sport because that's awesome. Prancing a horse around. He ain't happy he's doing that. She ain't happy. But that's why I love it so much because it doesn't belong in the Olympics and they have it anyways because of tradition and culture. Another good one that goes under the radar, though, I'd have to say is men's gymnastics. Just because you want, like, I mean, for all of us, we're guys who are into athletics. To clarify, in there's a and difference between those- dressage and horse jumping as well. Dressage is specifically like how you prance it around. Oh, my God. How did but, you get uh, this far into horse? This I just, horse I had a weird the London Olympics. I had a lot of free time. I just graduated college and I literally like they were on all the time, you know, because they'd show them on delays and they show them early. And yeah. I had just moved into Frank's and uh, I didn't know like the Wi-Fi password. I mean, that's a lie. I did, but I literally just watched pretty much the entire uh, London Olympics. All right, Tony, what were you going to say about gymnastics? I was going to say like from an ath- athletic standpoint, like watching the male gymnast, so there's some of those ripped guys on the planet. I think. Uh, not only that, like the total body control is unreal. Yeah, I mean it is. Have, it, has like, anybody ever tried painful. to do anything on the on like the rings that you see these guys do? It's really freaking hard. Actually, we all had a gym teacher that uh, tore his sternum in half trying to do the Iron Cross gymnastics. Yeah. GSP says it, but gymnasts are pretty much the best athletes on the planet. I mean, you all around, you're talking about like. You gotta have endurance, agility, speed, acceleration, strength. Gotta have strength. Yeah, and not just like, oh, I got jacked arms. Like you have to have full body strength too. Yeah, they can. Gotta have hand eye. You gotta have a lot of hand eye. And you gotta nail the landing. You're flying through the air. It has to be close to 20 miles per hour, and you gotta land on your two feet. You know how much weight? Yeah, you just do all these flips, 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 and then you gotta like land perfectly on the ground. Like, yeah, okay. I fucking trip going up the stairs half the time. No, it's it's unreal, it's it's totally unreal to manipulate your body the way they do, and and do it. Sometimes they do it almost just from the static. Like I mean, like they're they're standing there, and then all of a sudden they're like straight up in the air, 
you know, with their hands on nothing but a bar. It's like, how'd you get up there? Can like, we what? admit that the floor what? routine sucks for the girls? Like the floor routine with the ribbons? That's a little bit childish. Oh yeah, the ribbon dancing? That's really like Yeah, I mean, but the one where they that's run just in ridiculous. like two, That's like what six year old girls do. Yeah, the the vault. You have the vault and then you have no, like no, no, the, no, like the regular floor routine where like they'll run from one corner to the other and do like three flips in the air and land at the other corner. That is that is pretty legit. Yeah, but yeah. the ribbon dancing, that's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I don't care about no ribbons. Like, right, I'm so talking about this like this list broke it down a little bit more. Uh, Joey actually finished before I go to the list. Sorry. I was, I was just talking about what like the real gymnasts do. Like like one of the four apparatuses that the girls perform, the, the floor routine, they like the like the, you know, Simone Biles and all and all those girls like they. They don't use the ribbons. They they run across that floor, fly through the air a few times, and then land perfectly at the other corner, and, and they'll do some other craziness with their with their uh, bodies. But I mean, it's it's insane. You know what is really funny? Uh, if you have any old gymnast friends, male or female, get them a little drunk on a beach and uh, tell them like, "Oh, you can't do a back handspring anymore," because they all think they can still do it, and they'll all beef it. And it's awesome because they like think it's so cool that they could do it at one point. You speak from it sounds like you're speaking from experience there. Oh, there was girls flipping all over the beach in Mexico when I was down there and only one stuck landing. One twisted ankle too. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, you might want to be careful because then you're the one driving the house. Oh, I didn't and... ask anyone to do it. I'm just saying gymnasts love to oh. show off their skills. Oh yeah. But uh right. skills. So here's I'm gonna go through the funny ones on the list. I might skip a couple because they're not important, but so we got trampoline being the first one. It's part of the gymnastics routine, but you literally just bounce on a trampoline. Yeah, that's completely ridiculous. Number two is the modern pentathlon because it involves like shooting and running, fencing, show jumping, and a three k- uh, km cross country versus the actual pentathlon. I like fencing. Fencing. I cool. do like fencing. That'd be a good one for the obscure, but yeah. it might be a little too mainstream. Number three on the list is equestrian eventing, which is like just different events. It's this; it goes in the dressage category. I'm gonna my weird one. Just the, it's all, all the, the different horse events, all the different horse events that isn't horse racing, which isn't even in there. Then oh you have the God. three thousand meter steeplechase. So you're like you're running over obstacles for, uh, you know, three kilometers. Yeah, apparently there's oh, some gosh. U.S. person who uh, might canoe slalom, which isn't just a race. You're like going through rapids, but they're like artificially created. That's Very weird. Scary. Which this year, if you fall this in the water, one, you're going to die. It's the one Olympic event I can't stand, and it's race walking. It's the speed walking. So you can't, oh, yeah. That's just crazy. And it's crazy because you, you <laughs> literally can only have uh, – you have to have one foot on the ground at all times or some part, and you can ding three times. So you just see these people like trying to keep their feet down. But if you're walking that fast, it's almost impossible. I personally think I would have been good at it because I'm a pretty good fast walker but a bad runner. Uh, but you got that. I, I feel like – I feel like I could win moonwalking. Number like, eight was in that equestrian category. Moonwalking is not a sport, Jim. Number nine, synchronized swimming, which a lot of people make fun of. And if you can hold your breath for that long underwater, then you should never be made fun of because it's truly hard. We got archery coming in at 10. Just the shooting events at 11. So Tony got the 11th. Uh, marathon was a weird one. I don't think that's weird. Handball, that's crazy. Because you played in gym class growing up, you can't believe you'd actually make the Olympics for it. Sailing. Yeah, dude, I was going to say sport. that one. I was going to say handball, and then I was like, oh, my gosh, I forgot about ping pong. Ping pong's way weirder than handball, because at least handball is almost like soccer just with your hands. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like it's like water polo You get, like, land. two steps, and you have to throw it, and you have the goal, but you can't, like, check yeah. people. It's a very odd sport. It's fun it, to play in gym class. But... It's basically land polo, like, instead of water polo. 
Yeah, and the last interesting one from this list, water polo is on the list, but that's mainstream. I'm great at water polo, by the way. You can ask anybody. I've, I've taken people off the team playing water polo before. I put somebody, gave somebody some stitches one time, but I was the best water polo, polo player in Trenton High, pretty much history. Sure. And then uh, the last one on the list is badminton. And I just really like saying badminton. I don't think it's that weird, but it's a fun word to say. If you're ever sad this week, just go badminton because it's a little birdie <laughs> you hit. I, uh, it's not I a know... birdie. It's a shuttlecock. Oh, it's a shuttlecock, Tony? Yes. You know, how far I, are we in the podcast? In 45 minutes, I, Tony's already brought up cock. I actually know a couple guys. I actually know a couple guys from work who uh, could have competed for the U.S. Olympic team in water polo, but they chose to take their career elsewhere. So, you know, When does the Olympics start? August 6th, August 5th? 7th, I think. 7th? If we have a show before then, I'm going to try to put together a list for the fans out there of people who could have gone pro in something Olympic, and it's actually pretty crazy. The one I know most famously at the time I had is Tim Duncan, who was actually already qualified to be like a junior Olympian or whatever. It's like the, he was on his way to being an Olympian. Like he was on the Michael Phelps pass, path at swimming. Then a hurricane hit the U.S. Virgin Islands, and they knocked out all the pools on the island, and he was scared of sharks, so he didn't swim in the ocean. He started playing basketball. Isn't it without a hurricane hitting that we would never had Tim Duncan who just retired. So it's a, that is insane. I just, I can't believe that people are that good at multiple sports. It's also like uh, being good at such a random story. It's not like he played football or anything like that. It's because a lot of good athletes are just athletic in general. So they're going to be at least decent in other sports. Yeah. I mean, football, you end up with people like RG three probably could have made it as a hurdler. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, like he's a running quarterback. He's too. fast as fuck. It just at least in, go at ahead, least Joe. Football too, you got to like catch a ball and stuff, and there's, like you got some hand-eye core that's you know, and you got a lot of running that could that could almost translate to you know basketball. You know, if you if you if you if you got some ups well, and stuff like that, maybe most play of the tight guys end, but, who were the best sprinters on the track team in high school also were running backs and wide receivers in high school on the football team. Well, yeah, that makes sense. But I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like swimming to basketball. It's just two totally different things, you know. Well, yeah, I mean? that's two totally different things. But I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. It's, a, it's amazing. But I mean, dude, like, yeah, He's obviously, an well, guy, there's a lot of so. running backs. There's a lot of running backs from the track teams at their at their schools, even collegiate level. Yeah, for sure. That's how you stay in shape. I mean, in high school, you that's, pretty much have to do it. But uh, yeah, a which is crazy because sw- like you're saying, swimming is just so much different than like basketball. They don't really. I mean, I was a decent swimmer all conference. I couldn't step foot on the varsity basketball court. You're also not seven feet tall. All right, I got an ad playing real quick. Hold on. You got a Jerry, so uh, professional. It, so there's a wide receiver that plays for Oregon. I think he's one of the top receivers. He's not. I don't think he's going to play this year because he's going to the Olympics for uh, track. Yeah, no, there was actually a wide receiver for, I believe it was Colorado University. He went to the Winter Olympics as a downhill skier. And because yeah. of the money he got from skiing, the NCAA, the NCAA ruled that that made him a professional athlete, and therefore he cannot continue playing college football. Which is totally bullshit. So then he had to basically sit totally out a bullshit. year until he was eligible for the NFL draft. And, I mean, he did get drafted to be like a kick returner, punt returner, but he, I don't know if he made it and played a year in the league or what, but... That's one of those things that suck, like the NCAA and their strictness of, oh, then you have to be amateurs, but you're in a completely different sport in the Olympics, but because you got some money there, we're going to say you're not an amateur now, and, well, you're fucked. I like how we're going on tangents well, today, people, personally, because it feels this. very low-like, but well, uh, hold on one yeah, second, Yeah, we're Joe. very tangent. But we're I don't think if you tangents. get paid for something else, like uh, Brandon Weeding got 
paid to play baseball that want to be a quarterback, that's fine for the NCAA. Yeah, it's there's so well, much weird. It's because you don't make it to the top level or whatever. But I personally think that uh, if it's a different sport, you should be allowed to get paid. Like you, if you're good enough at baseball and football, and you can go pro in baseball first, you can be. You can. I don't wouldn't have a problem if the team's close to your college. Literally going to college, practicing, playing quarterback, and playing in the MLB. I'd have no problem with that as long as they're different sports. Yeah, and I mean that would make sense, but this is the NCAA because the bodies don't about. really cross each they other. They don't you know? make sense. And this is this is what this is what they screwed up with the Olympics is, and I think we should maybe table it and dispute it next week because I like to hear Frank's take on it. Is professional athletes playing in the Olympics? Are I you, think are I you think that amateur? alone, right? I think not that alone, but I think that's part of what screwed it up for a guy like the, like the guy from Colorado. Yeah, that's pretty rough. I mean, yeah, we should because talk you, about You do Frank. now have professionals playing in the Olympics. It's no longer solely amateur sportsmen. Yeah, just yeah. one thing on that quick, a little well, preview. I mean, it was they're not getting when we had paid the for their team. sport for the most part. A lot of times it's the teams and stuff have sponsors. And you get right. bonuses for where you, from your Olympic commissions for where you place in the Olympics. Yeah, no, I understand that. Like, they, they get endorsements and stuff. But, like, there's also professional athletes that are, that are competing in the Olympics they do get paid. Oh yeah! And so like now, now you're talking like pros. the level where basically Olympians are professionals at what they do. You know, you got basketball, hockey, like baseball. It's, it's you know, in all those categories. So I, I say let's table it. Let's table it. I want to hear Frank's take on it. Yeah, let's let's talk about, about it again subject. when we get closer to the Olympics. All right, one more topic from the Olympics before we get to Russia. Uh, that just came to my head. Can you believe that these golfers are just dipping from playing in the Olympics because of Zika virus and because they don't want to play there? Like, the chance to represent your country in something that hasn't been Olympics for 100 years or whatever it is, some ridiculous like that, I don't care if they told me I was going to die, like, two years after going to Brazil. If they said I had a chance to win a gold medal, like, if I was actually competitive, I would go win a gold for country, rock, flag, and eagle. Yeah. You say rock, listen, flag, and eagle. Whatever. Listen, man. Like, you're a professional athlete, you know, these golfers. Um, why don't you just drink bottled water and not hang out in the wrong places and buy yourself a nice room and make sure you got your people with you so that way you don't get messed up. Then you won't get the Zika virus. I understand. Well, A, you got Zika. B, you got the fact that Brazil is one of the most dangerous countries in the world. And the police, the city's broke, so the police are saying, like, hey, we're not getting paid, so you're on your own. Good luck. Nobody's going to mess. I mean, there's, with the terrorist attacks that are going on, there's going to be something popping off, but it's probably not going to be that bad. All I'm saying is I got a lot more respect for Ricky Fowler and a lot less for uh, Dustin Johnson because I thought Dustin Johnson was a D or G. I'm sorry. He is being a D bag, but he's a G. Jordan Spieth, I get it because he's kind of like a mama's boy looking. Like he's young. Like he doesn't want to go, doesn't want to play there. But. Well, you got to think about it like this, though, is like you go there and you hurt yourself. You're kind of screwing over where you make your money. It's at. the Olympics. It's every four years. The Greeks started it, man. Wrestling and the Parthenon and all that stuff. You know, there's something just mystic about it. I love all this Olympic talk, by the way. The Olympics are like the best time of year. No, Olympics are Olympics are definitely coming at the best time right now because we're gonna have the Olympics, and by the time the Olympics are done, the, all the training camps are gonna be done. Then we're in football, boys. And yeah, then this show, I can't wait to do our college football preview. Oh my preview. god, we're gonna have to football. try to keep this show from going two to three hours uh, every session because I, I don't know if we'll be able to stop talking football. And then we got hockey season uh, the mixed in there, in and the then basketball season's gonna start up again. It's gonna we're we're getting close, guys. The summer blues are uh, 
are about to go away real quick. I know we promised Russia next, but real quick, you know there's like 45,000 condoms being distributed in the Olympic Village? Yeah, these guys, these people who are like in the Olympics, they've literally spent like the last like two, three years at least preparing for this. And they're working so hard that a lot of them are single. So what you do is you go there, you compete in your event, and then you and fuck like rabbits. Fuck best. That's why they say a lot of a hey. uh, lot of athletes actually get conceived there, and then like they won't. They'll just hide like having a kid, you know, because an athlete is Michael Phelps has one. He's gonna get in, but there's swimmers that we don't know the name of, and we never will. They're not fucking and creating some genius baby that's gonna be an Olympic thirty years from now when nobody cared about who his father was. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things though where like you have probably like what. A thousand, two thousand athletes there. These are people who are in the best shape of all the humans on the planet. And some of them are very attractive. What are you going to do? You're going to hook up with the other attractive people because you finally get like a break from all your training. And if you believe in psychology, they say you do hook up with people that are generally around your same attractiveness. There's like a way it ends up working out like you because you see yourself in the mirror so much, even though you see yourself as prettier than you. And also are. you have that connection of you're both like high level athletes and you can be like, man, I've been training for the last three years so hard. I haven't had time for relationships. This and that. Yeah, me neither. Let's, man, I've been training so hard for the last three years. I know I can last all night. Trust me. I know I'm, my I time. have a couple of drinks. I don't buy Tony's theory minutes. about like, that's I'm what they're talking about. I think they're like, you have a hard body. I have a hard body. We're not doing shit for two weeks. I got a gold. You got a gold. Let's go get drunk and bump uglies in Brazil. You know, yeah. and that's, they're I, bumping uglies, whether it's Brazil or not, though. It doesn't matter what city it's in. They're bumping hey, uglies. Just find the condom bowl, take one and, and, uh, and move on. Hey, at least they're being safe. Be safe. Be safe. RSF is officially against STDs. Okay. I like to put that out there. Oh, really? That's like saying we're also against genocide. I'm not necessarily against genocide if used for the right reason. But what? Jo- How joking. is genocide ever I'm, a good thing? I'm joking. Let's not let's not touch that topic. All right. I have, we're not a problem if we genocided the mosquitoes. I'm not talking about that, and you know that you fucking Jer- Jerry needs to. What if there was a genocide? Hey, you, know you know what this is a good time for, boys. People. This, this is a good time for a break. Let's uh let's take a break here. When we come back, let's talk some Red Wings, huh? Oh, uh, we got Russia first, but yeah, when we come back, we're talking Russia and all their doping, and then hey, Red Russian Wings. Red Wings, same thing, right? Well, not anymore. We don't have the Russian five. Ah, we'll, well, you know, we'll be back in just a second. RSF, bitches. RSF. If it wasn't copyrighted, we'd be playing the Olympic theme right now. But uh, just imagine it's playing in your head, and here we go. We're talking Russia and the Olympics. All right, so. Pretty much what has happened is uh, it's been proven that pretty much everyone in the entire system has been taking steroids like Drago and, you know, Rocky Four, just being very stereotypical of Russia, which is just comrade, horrible. take this needle and stick it in your arm. Yes, comrade. But uh, so uh, the USADA, the United States Anti-Doping Agency, has asked that they just ban the entire uh, Russian Olympic team uh, the IOC, International Olympic Committee, has said we're going to let the individual sporting federations take care of it. And uh, Yeah, because the, their thing is they don't want to piss off the Russians. So we're going to be nice and say it's up to the federations so that way we can make them the bad guys instead of making us the bad guys. Even though the uh, track federation for like track and field... They've already said that they're, they're really out. strict in tack- track and field, though. They're just generally strict. I mean, we've had people, Marion Jones, Tyson Gay, he came back and almost beat uh Yeah, but Usain. like Marion Jones, that wasn't like the track and field. That was the U.S. Federation going after him. 
Yeah, well, all right. It's pretty proven now that USADA is pretty good at testing people. They spend ten grand a test. But uh, so in their defense, Craig Reedy of the World uh, well, for, WADA World Anti Doping Agency. Yeah, I was gonna say agency. it's not the it's not USADA. It's WADA who tests the Olympic athletes. All right, he said uh, you cannot simply assume across all twenty eight summer sports the state of play is the same, and the gymnasts, for example, are in the same situation as a track and field or a swimmer. So what he's saying is it's not fair to ban everybody. You just have to look and find that, make sure that nobody has any uh, connection to doping, basically. But they've basically proven everybody in Russian sports dopes. All right, well, I was going to ask you a question, like a but duck, you're kind of. If it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, and quacks like a duck, it's a fucking duck. We've been on too many tangents today, although I love them. We got to get actually on some kind of point here. And the point I, or the question I would like to ask, we'll go around the table, which Frank was here. Do you think that the entire Russian team should be banned after, I mean, it's been years of cheating. You Look at, I couldn't go over all now, but they've been. Flipping out samples has been proven all the way back to 98. So, you know, they're doing it before then. Like, so. Yes. You do not let any of them compete. I'm going to restate yes, the question. I get that it hurts Never athletes mind. who aren't guilty. But guess what? This punishes the entire Russian Olympic Burr. team. That way, they learn their fucking lesson. And maybe they'll quit shooting steroids in their athletes' asses. Joe, what do you think on this? I'm going to, you know, Tony got pretty into it on that one. So I'm, I'm just going to simply agree with him and say that, hey, man, like you got to draw a line. And sometimes that line has to be drawn pretty hard. And the thing is this, it's not like, you know, like you said, like they, they, they just did it like, you know, a couple small incidents. I mean, they've been doing it a long time and it's been a lot of them doing it. Um, this is a big deal. And the point needs to get put, you know, needs to get across to everybody that like, hey, we, we're just not going to stand for it because then if you don't, if you don't, then where do we go from here? Then you know, what I mean, like yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those gotta, things where it's, it's state-sponsored doping. It meaning, truly has to that this is like Russia's Olympic Committee is basically making sure all their athletes they can dope, dope. So they can yes. dope, dope, take dope. Yeah, Snort dope. all 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 the ones that can take performance-enhancing drugs, they're getting on their performance-enhancing drugs. It's through them. Therefore, yes, there may be an athlete here or there who they didn't give drugs to, and you could say, oh, they're fine to compete because they're not on steroids. But then the committee doesn't really learn a lesson in all this. You say, sorry, Russia, you're out this Olympics and the Winter Olympics as well. You make them miss the Summer and a Winter Olympics. Therefore, it's eight years before they're in again, and you say, and we're going to be checking up on you these whole eight years. And guess what? They're not going to keep doing it because they're going to be fucked if they do. And then it sends a clear message to everybody else. Don't fucking cheat. Yeah. You know, you guys make some really good points. And I think the real problem here is that it's at the Russian uh, Olympic Federation level is where the cheating is. Yeah, it's like, not like it's a little like, a sport no, here or there. I'm it's not even saying it's everybody. Little, like, even if everybody was doping, like at least have a side guy doing it. Like how the mafia runs underground or how like Patino had his manager hiring hookers for Louisville. Don't have your actual federation running it. This is like BMW and all those German companies faking the EPA test. But... Although I say that, and it's really fucked up, you need to fire everybody in the Russian Federation. But in terms of this, right now, I don't think you should ban everybody in Russia. And Joey, since you agree with Tony, maybe I can sway you back to my side. I know you like the seesaw, so maybe we can get you here. What I'm oh. saying is, okay, so in China, for example, when you're like five, if you're decently good at gymnastics, or like you're like maybe the top, you know, three percent of gymnasts, they send you to a camp. You get to see your family once a year. You go to school like two hours a day, and you spend the other ten hours practicing gymnastics. It's like a religion. Most Olympic athletes has, have literally worked their entire life. 
four years, as soon as they could walk, they were out there doing something for the Olympics. They got good at it. Weightlifters had been lifting since they could hit puberty or whatever. So you're talking about some people, if you're 25 and you've been doing this, that's 21 years of work. That's how long you had to live to drink in America, which is also ridiculous. So you got this, even if there's one person, just one clean person in the Russian Federation that stands a chance at going there and competing, you have to let them compete because they worked their entire life for this goal and it's not fair to take it away from them now. But I do agree with Tony. You should ban from the next Winter Olympics because that's four years away so they can change around their life. They can stop practicing now. Russia's better at the Winter Olympics. That's way more of a punishment. Take them out of the Winter Olympics. Then maybe somebody who hasn't uh, qualified for Russia, for example, could move to another country they can use. I think you need a grandparent from another country or something. Yeah, you only need like a grandparent. You need a grandparent. So you find like if you're really good, you've been clean, you can go. Especially in Russia, you know. You can go to like yeah, you can Uzbekistan, br- Ukraine. Yeah, so you get people to get out of it, but even if there's one Georgia, Russian Olympic Belarus. athlete, you have to give them their shot on the stage. The Olympic, it's every in some in gymnastics, you pretty much get one Olympics. The girl who won gold with that weird face, I'm not sure she might not have qualified for the team that weird year. face. You know, very the, descriptive. Okay, she won the gold medal and she looked pissed afterwards. It was all over the internet. I can't think of her name right now. I don't feel like looking it up. All right, so. Oh, the U.S. gymnast? Yeah. Okay. So she almost got cut. I'm not, I honestly don't even know if she made it. I was watching the trials, but I had to go to work, so I couldn't see the end of it. Like, these people work their whole lives. So even if there's one person who's clean, like I've said, this is the third time, I like to reiterate my point, you have to let them compete because it's just not fair. I mean, I get it's not fair to them, but it's okay. So you're just basically saying, and we know that you've basically been cheating the system for the past, what is that now? 18 years you've been cheating the system but it's totally cool now it's we're just kind of no it's not cool that's why you ban them for the winter olympics so they can get out while the getting's good and probably a lot of the people have already taken steroids so you find the people who have you can link people to steroid use pretty easily now through paper trails or you know find a doctor who's willing to snitch to get out of russia something like that maybe at you know it's illegal to be a homosexual in russia <clears throat> he found a gay doctor who worked with him that was hiding him being gay. He'd love to get out so he could sh- share his gay pride and get him to flip the way Einstein left when the Nazis were in power. All I'm saying is it's not fair to that one person. Imagine this. You go to college. You work four years, and then the day before you're going to graduate, they say, yeah, your major doesn't exist anymore. You're the only person who had it at the university. Even though you worked four years, you're not going to graduate with that major. And that's only four years. I would kill somebody. I mean, I wouldn't kill somebody, obviously, because they're going to jail. I'm too pretty. But Metaphorically. Okay. Me- metaphorically, I would be protesting the, the university for the rest of my life. Okay, but that's different. That's completely different. You're saying you spent four years giving somebody your money, and now they're going to tell you, oh, we're not going to give you this degree now? That, that's, it is a little that's apples to oranges. And that's I don't, completely no, Tony, you're right. It is a little apples to oranges. Who's been in this program, knows that everybody else is cheating, and they're like, on oh, the one Hard person. work is hard work regardless of whether you pay for it or you go to college. Hard work is hard work. What you're saying is more like you went to school and you found out you everybody it. else in your – you had you know 500 people in your major, and you found out 499 of them were cheating – so they said everybody in this major does not get a degree. Yeah, still. So you, you, that person shouldn't that get a degree? That is different. All right. Hard work is hard work. And if you put hard work into something, you deserve to see some kind of result. Like that's the American dream is if you put in hard work day in and day out, you wake up every day and pay the rent for success, you'll get it. But this is Russia, not America. 
and they're fucking cheating. Did I change your opinion at all, Joe? Uh, you know, I, I, I almost got lost a little bit there. It, I, I'm going to say this. I, I do. So you're for I hard work think, or you against hard work? No, I'm for hard work, but I, I, I you want to see the unicorn, Joe, you want to see that uni- beautiful unicorn in the field? Listen to me, to my words. I agree with Gerard when he says the Russians should be banned from this Olympics and the next Olympics. I said that, not Gerard. Oh, well, Tony, sorry. Jerry said they should be allowed to compete in this Olympics, but then have to skip the next one. I think they should be banned from both of them. No Boom. excuses. Tony wins. All right. No uh, I didn't know this was a competition. Listen, I this is what I want to talk about. I'll talk about some Red Wings. Let's 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 talk about the Red Wings. Screw the Russians. Yeah, screw the Russians. But I think they should compete. Let's go to Red Wings, Joe. What do you got for us? I really don't have any idea what's going on with the Red Wings right now, and I'd like to be informed. So most most recently, uh, former Red Wing Brad Richards is retired after a 15-year career. Pretty successful career. Two Stanley Cups. Consummate trophy. Uh, Couldn't win one here, points. though, unfortunately. I believe he holds the record uh, for most game winners in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, didn't, didn't uh, get much out of him here tail end of his career and obviously he's he didn't have anything left in the tank because now he's, he's hanging him up but uh wish brad richards the best in the future um what, what i'd like to really get into is um is, is kind of like some of the summer activity going on now not not much since the uh you know the the uh free agent signings but um Which we already some, covered in our some, last some, episode some some big things coming down though is uh is arbitration coming for DeKaiser and Mrazek and how that's going to affect the team's uh, team salary cap. So I think DeKaiser and Mrazek are, are going to get pretty decent paychecks based off their minutes they played and the, and the production oh, yeah. they put up. They're going to get paid. They're and, both uh, two strong young players. And, and you know, I think, I think what people will, are going to fail to see, though, too, is we're going to have a couple guys in LTIR, uh, Polkanen and Franzen, and uh, and that's gonna kind of make the cap space a little bit more closer to. I think we're still gonna be above it, so we're gonna have to move somebody. But um, that that's what that's kind of what I wanted to get into. So you know, DeKaiser, you know, agree or disagree well, I mean, with me, guys. The, I think DeKaiser doesn't should take get effect until the start of the regular season, though. With getting right, rid right, of the cap. So they have time. Yeah, well, they got some time. I think the person they need to get rid of is Nyquist. I don't know if no, that's going to get us our I number, agree. but I think they need to move. Even if they have to move him for a second-round draft pick, I think that he's not as good as advertised. He tires out. He's too small. And some team that maybe could use him more. He's situ- very streaky. He's streaky. He could be good situationally for some team, but for us, he's not the future of the franchise like we once thought. And I think he might be our goal leader over the last like four seasons. And I know it's almost sacrilege to say get your goal leader leading score off the team, but we don't need him. And he's going to cost us too much. And if he walks in free agency, then we get nothing for him. He's the guy that's got to go. Well, here's, I think, what the situation with Nyquist is. is he's, he's a small guy on a smaller team. If he would go to somewhere like Anaheim, right? Where they could protect him. Where they have a ton of big dudes, and that's really all they got. And they got like a smaller, quicker guy. It mixes up their offense. And maybe Nyquist's performance goes a little bit through the roof, right? They're all trying to play the body on Getzlaff and Perry. And then they dish off the puck to a guy like Nyquist who... Who's kind of open because he's quicker and and they're they're doubling down on guys like Getzlaff. So, I, I I think I think Anaheim could go for something like that, and in exchange, hopefully, we could get like a guy like Cam Fowler. You know. Yeah, the thing is, um, I'm pretty sure the Wings have probably already offered that because they already had discussions, and the Ducks didn't take it. Which is, I mean, I would do that trade in a minute, Joe. I'm with you, but I would well, imagine here, here's, that it's not possible. Here's my theory. 
my, my theory is I don't think they have offered up uh, – I think they've talked to him. I don't think they've offered up a guy like Nyquist or Tatar yet because I, I think what Holland's doing is he's waiting for camp to see if Mantha and Athanasiu um, are going to put out for one. And I think he wants to see where Bertuzzi is because Bertuzzi had an awesome prospect uh, camp. And I, I think he is ready to make a push uh, into the NHL level. So if our young forwards push – push up and, and they're going to be playing on the pro team um that gives holland the ability to move guys like yurko nyquist uh maybe a polkin in who, who like i said he's on ltir but um you know a team might be willing to take him because he won't exactly hit their cap right away and then when they get injuries uh maybe he'll be coming back from his so um i think a lot of the problems is uh with all the guys we're mentioning right now and correct me if i'm wrong but they're almost they're too good to just become role players, but we can't afford to have them all, and we have too many young guys to bring up, so we have to do something with them. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? They're in a weird middle ground where they're not going to be superstars, yeah. and that's clear, but if we can package them together and get like a superstar in return for a team that's trying to get younger, I mean, maybe one of them, Pokemon could be end up being the man, but Yurko, Tatar's my boy. I'd really hate to see him go. He's, like, if I had to pick a Red Wing, it might be him, but even him yeah. like and Nyquist, these, they're right almost on that cusp. They're like You're going to say like, average above average good great superstar they're right at that good level almost to great and yeah you can't those guys are gonna get paid helm just made is making like four million dollars a year or whatever yeah so nyquist is gonna get paid by somebody else so you gotta do something with him if you send him to a contender and he contributes 25 goals i mean it's kind of yeah. wishful thinking but you know that illich organization just in general tries to hang on to these pieces because i they think they're like geniuses like nyquist is gonna pop off next year and have 41 goals or something like because he's had those streaks like if he puts it together i hate this the worst term in sports if he puts it together over a season yeah it's like if he changes how he's been playing yeah, if, ifs were fifths we all be drunk exactly yeah i mean we've said it before there's there's so much in sports that's based on what people think is potential it's why you see a lot of trades where you're, you're scratching your head going why would that guy get traded for this guy a lot of it's based on what a team thinks another guy's potential or upside is so and I mean, these days they use statistics and try and do the money ball thing. But I mean, you, you can't. You, to me, well, you can't you account for do, human factors. If you want to move Nyquist, is you need to find a team <laughs> that looks at him and goes, "Okay, this guy's been scoring scoring like twenty five goals a year, but he's been very streaky. If he could just be consistent out there, and we think we have the system where he can be consistent, that's who you're going to be able to trade him to. The problem is, is what team? You know, we got to find a team that. Thinks that, and also has somebody that we want in return. I would hope and pray that they've already shot Nyquist. Joe just said they didn't, but if they haven't, then I'm losing all faith in this organization personally. Like I think that he, if he hasn't been shot, and that's what scares me, I think he has been shot, and nobody wants him for the price. I mean, they'll take him maybe for like a fourth round pick, you know? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think you're gonna have to package him. I think you have to throw in like a Yurko and a pick with him to get somebody the like. The problem a with being like a true seller is because we have so many, play- we have too many players. And we can't have any of them prove if they can play or not sitting down in Grand yeah, Rapids. Yeah, exactly. So teams know that, so they know we're trying to unload them, so we're getting low-balled offers. You know what I mean? They're, yeah. And uh, Cam Fowler is better than Nyquist. I hate to say it, he just is. You know? Oh, yeah, you're right. He so, is. Which is why I think we're going to have to package something together for him. But what, what I think, too, is the, – the, so the other part, too, is if you want good players from other teams, you gotta you got to um, – involve their cap situation as well so moving a, a nyquist who makes four million that's gonna affect things so maybe i mean maybe yeah like a, a, a jets or a, a ducks are willing to Joe, take wait, the four million in nyquist what's that 
An NHL salary cap. NHL salary cap, I think, is $73 million. $73 million and Nyquist is getting four? Yeah. I don't know about that. 5% of our salary cap? Yes. I, I just got really upset. I'm sorry. Continue. So, so here's the deal. So Nyquist, Nyquist gets moved. He, the, the one thing that could be attractive to teams is he might not be due for a raise from $4 million. The problem with Fowler really point, and, and Jacob Truba is they're making around three to four million, and they're due for a raise up to six million. So that's a way we could work around to, in my mind, to to make a trade like that happen. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think we just uh, we got to put a package together for somebody, man, or, or else we're just gonna we're we're, not, we're gonna have these like guys like Mantha down in the minors another year and just kind of wait wasting time. I, Man, Mantha's ready to go. He played ten games and scored two goals. You figure that in, you know, over 80 games, that's 16 goals. That that's that's almost as much as Tatar scored last year. You know what I'm saying? It, yeah, it's because these are huge developmental years too. Like when they're playing against that weak competition, it's like, oh sweet, you're great in the OHL, which is what I believe the Griffins are in. AHL, no, the AHL. Anyways, it's like, dude, at some point you gotta put them on the pro leagues. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. Packers made the hardest decision in the world in cutting far, pretty much saying like you gotta go because Rogers is better. You had a future Hall of Famer, a fan that. Fans love him, and they said, like, we know Rodgers is better. At some point, you got to say these young kids need their shot. Like, obviously, don't bring them up right away. Give them a year in the minors. But in hockey, you got to play the best. Well, also in football, you have the advantage of contracts not being guaranteed. So if you cut a guy, you're not going to have that huge cap hit usually. Yeah, yeah. that's actually pretty messed up because the most violent sport. We, that's a topic for another day, too. We'll do the, it on a the, slow the, news cycle, maybe bye week for the Lions or something. The situation you have right now with these the Red Wings prospects is Mantha and Bertuzzi have been in the minors for at least a whole season. And then uh, another minor season before that, and then a junior season. So for three three years now, we've had these two guys. They're, they're not boys anymore. They're full-grown men. They've had their deve- developmental years, and they're, they're top draft picks. Bertuzzi's a second-rounder, and Mantha's a first-rounder. And they're big dudes, too. They're, they're ready to go. And then you have uh, Dylan Sadawi, who we picked up from the Sharks. He's been down in the minors for a few years, too. He's physically ready, and he's ready to go. He was a step above everybody at that prospect camp. And then you have Athanasiu, who played. He, he played up in the pro. So, he, I mean, he's going to he's gonna need some time. He's going to need some time. Uh, when, I, when I say time, he needs to get more ice time on the Detroit Red Wings. That guy was an impactful player, and I think the entire fan base would agree with me that Athanasiu needs to be on the ice longer. Yeah, didn't he have that crazy goal against Tampa Bay? Yeah, I mean, the thing with Athanasiu is the reason that he didn't see as much ice time, though is because he's not as good defensively. On the plus side, though, what, what he lacks... Well, Vecchi in, doesn't even play defense. I mean, he, while he lacks defensively, he has so much speed that it helps him make up for it. So at the same time, it's like, yeah, he's going to make defensive mistakes, but then he has speed to recover and try and fix his mistake. Yeah, and with that too, man, it's like... Can't we're not going to get Pavel Datsuk perfect two-way players and every single guy in the lineup, man. You're just going to need a couple guys to go score you some damn goals. you got to play two-way hockey, Krasik, all right? Offense and defense. <laughs> but, but I'm you know a scorer, Jan! you got to have a guy that just uh, that's going to put the puck in the net for you, man. I mean, just let, let him run with it and then put somebody else on his line to kind of help out back there. Because um, he's just got, he's got so much speed, man, and... I think I think he'll be better defensively this year. I think he's going to learn some lessons, but 
you keep sheltering them and you keep you keep kind of hiding them away in the rice time. I mean, it, it's it. I think in the long run, it's going to kill you. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just got to let them get out there and learn yeah. mistakes instead of trying to prevent them. Yeah, what, what film? What film do you have to look at if you only have two minutes of film? Exactly. Right? You there? Let me show you your three minutes of film that uh, I let you play this game. You're going to learn a lot. Yeah, and, tight. and gonna, let's see. When you were out there, you looked amazing. Times. We'll have 150 minutes. You were out there and you looked amazing, but we only gave you three minutes because in practice we've seen you make mistakes defensively. Blashill's defense, though, when you're a rookie head coach, you know if he broke the streak, they might fire him right away. Sometimes you got to worry about your own paycheck. You become accustomed to a certain style of living. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. dude, well, if, if you're a rookie ace- coach, I mean, you're, it's not like you went from. Making it's not like you were making five million this whole time. You went from probably making. I mean, a million I think he ruined million. a golden opportunity to be playing with house money. The way uh, what's his face, the new GM of the Lions. Oh yeah, I totally think the reason he kept Caldwell is because yeah, Mrs. Yeah, Ford it's, likes it's him, and he's like sitting there going, "Well, if Caldwell fucks up, no matter this year, what happens this year, the GM of the Lions can fire Caldwell. What's his name? Bob Quinn. Okay, so Bob Quinn can just because here's the thing: if Caldwell has a great year, he looks like a genius. If Caldwell has a bad year, he goes. That's Mrs. Ford's guy. I didn't want to keep him. Yeah, and for his blaster goal, as long as he made the playoffs, he'd get to go to this year. I mean, he could have just played all the young kids and been like, yeah, I tried. But the problem is, and you get favoritism involved. Like, it's not really. I'm saying don't put all the blame on him. He should definitely played more than three minutes. But, uh, you know, I can see where Blaster was coming from, is all I'm saying. I get there's two sides to every coin. Yeah, I mean, he's playing it safe, but sometimes, I mean, playing it safe hurts you. Because then yeah, you're, think- you're, you're mediocre instead of. Great. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think I think the rings There's have a been, huge gap between you know, ed- edging toward the youth push. They're like saying we're going to go with the youth. We're going to go with the youth. And like right now, honestly, I think this group of prospects of forwards is better than like the last little crop of forward prospects we brought out. Like you know the Sheehan Tatar group. I honestly think the Mantha Larkin Bertuzzi Athanasiu group is a little bit better. It's a little bit bigger. A little bit more scoring ability. Bring them up and let them go. Either either do it or don't, man. Like, you know, shit or get off the pot. Yeah, no, uh, I, I think you're being a little bit of a fanboy to say these guys are better, but we need to find out. Yeah, we need to find out what these guys I have. I think they're better, too. Because like, if they're better, then yeah, play them. If we know, put I, them out there and they suck dick, then we don't have to the renew their contracts when their contracts are With uh, playing them, though, is uh, let's say the Wings have already figured out that they're going to look great in the AHL, but they can't make it in the NHL, then... Uh, you lose all trade value, you know, because like the Tigers moved all kinds When's of. When's the last time we traded a prospect, though? I agree. I think we should. Tra- I, we got to trade them, but I'm saying maybe part of the reason you keep them down there is so the world doesn't see how bad or good they are. You get more value uh, out of mystery. You know what I mean? You like the mystery. You don't know he could be the next. Well, not, you know they're the next Gretzky, but it could be the next. But we next. haven't had anybody like that where we've traded them. We hear all this great stuff about them. And they sit, and they sit, and they sit in the AHL. Yeah. All right, you're right, Tony. All I'm saying is if they come to the NHL and suck, they're not worth anything. All right? Oh, I mean... Doesn't I mean, this, in the hands better than a bushel in the basket. I mean, this is what you could do, too, man. If you bring them up and they're no good, I mean, you just put them on waivers and let them sign somewhere else. Like, look at Landon Ferrero. You just, you just went off to Boston. I mean, he's not that... He's not, he didn't do that great with Boston. He did fine. He made a good career, you know, a good year for himself. But, I mean... Dude, Billy if the Lano guy doesn't turn out, let uh, him go. You know what I mean? Like, either bring him up or let him go. Back like, in the day, it, Billy Lano had a good year with uh, Philadelphia when they almost won the Cup. Yeah, I mean, you just you, you just got to do something. Make a decision. You can't just stockpile all these guys and 
and, and kind of just keep doing this, this, you know. Also, if we were going to describe this segment in a couple of words, yeah. it'd have to be shit or get out the pot. Yeah, with also, everything for the Red Wings. Start say, cutting people, start making movies. Yeah, it's it's just been of, the story well, the last few years. We've been saying it all summer long, yeah. though. At some point, dude, you got to. I'm bringing Holland into question. We don't have to get uh, into I will, it. Will, I will say this, though. That trade Holland made at the draft is, is pretty damn good. It's still, it's still. Yeah, that, that was good. Trade, that trade saved his damn job. I'll, I'll it, come on. Yeah, but that draft pick sucks. It didn't do us any good. Well, Chalski had a pretty good camp. Like, he showed up to that prospect camp and he impressed. Everybody him. has a good camp. Yeah, uh, but also one, one thing in sports is when you're drafting and trying to draft guys for your system, and sometimes they just don't fit that system quite like you thought they would, and then. That's when a lot of times you see the fans get mad is because they trade them away or they let them go and another team signs them, and then they perform well there, and everybody's like, oh, we let this great player get away from us. And it's like, no, we didn't let a great player get away from us because we play a different system from that team. Therefore, they probably didn't fit our system, which is why we let them go. Oh, I agree. Everything you're saying is actually a really good point. For a lot of these top athletes, you have to end up in a good situation for your skill set as well. Yeah. Like you can't top. have a running quarterback try and try and turn him into a pocket passer when he can't throw the ball. Also, you can't take a pocket passer with low mobility and try and turn him into a running quarterback. Yeah, no one's ever tried to do that, though. I'm but just saying. I, 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 Tony, We've seen a, plenty of running quarterbacks where they're trying to turn him into pocket passers. Yeah, so. to protect their assets. But. Yeah. I, I want to close like the hockey session with this, and and a lot of times, you know, we, you know, Jerry mentioned homeboy a little bit there, uh, you know, trying to like, we we look at our home team and we get critical on them, especially a team like the Red Wings who've won so much in the last twenty five years. Um, but then you you, it's interesting to hear other people's opinion of your team, and you know, or or, or what they think of our moves, and. I think fans were pretty critical of the signings. And then I, I talked to a guy who, who hangs around the rink uh, I play hockey with, and he, he's a big Buffalo fan, and he told me uh, he was pretty impressed with the Red Wings signings and that he, he thinks Vanek is going to have a big year for Detroit. Um, so it is it is interesting to hear another opinion from other fans, and other people still look at Detroit as a pretty dangerous group. Um, you know what I mean? So... It's a little food for thought, but I, I, you know, I am excited to have Vanek on the team. Big right hand. In terms of food for thought, we've won four cups in our lifetime that we can remember. I mean, that's, I mean, that's amazing. You know what I mean? You got the Patriots with their four Super Bowls, two losses. Like you can't, I mean, you can't beat it. And we are overly critical sometimes of them. But at the same time, like when you gave a product of excellence, that's what we come to expect. And I think that's what they need to put out there. But we do have really high expectations for all those in listeners' land. I, I would be. I would I would say this like when we made that Shanahan trade back in '96, um, it wasn't until like the season actually started that we made that trade. Uh, I'm not saying we're gonna make a Shanahan trade. That trade might not happen for another lifetime um, because that put us over the edge and had us win a championship. But I think a trade for a very good defenseman could happen at some point near the end of exhibition season after we see what these guys can do playing uh, exhibition hockey at the pro level. I, I think I think these young dudes are going to make a push. It's going to create a dilemma, and we're going to have to unload two or three forwards and maybe a pick, and uh, and that's that's going to land right, us at so D. Joey's I don't way know who too it's going to be. The early prediction but... of the year is that the Wings are going to make a big move right before the season starts. 
I think so. And I like that. I, think, I like the boldness. I think I think it's gonna be one of those things where the guy comes in, he's gonna have to you know kind of rush in and try to make the opening game or the home opener or something. But I I can see us making a move. I I just I really think like like I mentioned I, I wrote down these four guys right here: Mantha, Athanasiu, Bertuzzi, and Sadawi. Not necessarily that they make the team, but that they're good enough to be available for call up is enough in itself that I think it's going to end up making a move. So Bertuzzi and Sadawi, I think, are going to be like the two guys that we could call up at any time, uh, and, and possibly Sveshnikov. And then uh, Mantha and Athanasiu, I think, are on the team, and they're just going to push the thing, you know, push some people along. You know, I mean, we, we have too many small dudes. We mentioned Nyquist, but I think those four dudes right there, uh, they're off to a good start this summer. We'll, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, Tony's looking a little sleep over here. It's been a long day for us with the Preston family party. Everybody won a couple games of bocce. So uh, let's move on to our last segment of the day. We had our Tigers in two minutes. And I'm get, pulling the clock up now. All right, all right, all right. Oh, wait. The Tigers blowing. We're not doing two minutes on them. Ha! Joke's on you. If you lose two games in one day, we're not going to do Tigers in two minutes. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> So we're skipping the segment today. Tigers do better next week. They lost two games today. I'm not going to talk about them. They stink. Well, hey, I, mean, I will say, hey, the Tigers are second in the division. They got a winning record. All right, I don't care. You lose two games in and one day. And they're so out of the playoffs. So moving on. All right, one last thing before we close. And another, I don't want to end on a depressing note, but I got to have to. I should have talked about it during the Saturday thing. Uh, our old swim coach, the Sparrow himself, uh, Joey knows him, loves him. I love him. Tony the loves leprechaun. him. leprechaun. Uh, I want to put anybody's personal information on blast, but it's all over Facebook already. I just like to, he got diagnosed with ALS and he said he wants to try to coach out as long as possible. I just like to, you know, thoughts and prayers has been said too much. So I'm not going to say that, but you know, Sparrow had a great influence on my life. He's, I mean, up there with the teachers for like how he taught me how to be a man and be disciplined. He had my back sometimes yelled at me a lot threw kickboards at me, but he's, I mean, the best coach I could have ever imagined. And he made high school a lot more enjoyable and, you know, I hope I see him soon so I can tell him that to his face. And I hope that he's the first person to ever beat Well, speaking ALS. about seeing him, August 12th, uh, I think it's 6 to 9 p.m. at the Kennedy Aquaplex, I think it's called now. We used to just call it the K-Pool. Uh, that's, they're having a fundraiser for him there. So, I mean, it's on Facebook. Try and look it up there. I'll try and find something and post it on our yeah, you Facebook can put the page. link. I'll have the link in this week's episode on our Facebook page. But you can, uh, if you can't make it, you can buy a T-shirt for ten bucks, which your order has to be in by the 29th. And uh, this is one thing that's probably for a great cause. I would imagine all the money is going to go straight to him. I couldn't imagine a better person to lead men or like boys into a pool where you could drown. And you know, I really hope that he has a long and a healthy life ahead of him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was a good coach. I mean, there was definitely some times where <laughs> I spent a lot of time thinking he hated me. But uh, it's probably because I was a dumbass back in high school. We should, if we plan this segment a little better, we could all tell our best Jim Lawrence moment. But uh, my M- favorite maybe one. Maybe that will be next episode or something. Uh, besides when he made me swim the 100 fly, and then I ended up being pretty good at it, so I ended up swimming at leagues and getting us the four points we needed to get over the top and take down a league championship. But uh, no, what, just joking. All joking aside, we were oh, on yeah. Christmas break uh, when practice. When you couldn't cut it in the mega red anymore, you had to go down to mega white. Yeah, yeah it was sweet, dude. We dominated, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyways, they got the Down River League now, but uh, yeah. Well, I, so, I got I got something a little bit to say about them. My favorite. Give me a second oh, to say my favorite moment was uh, Christmas break practice. We had two days, so we'd go and eat lunch in between. And we went to lunch. We're leaving. He knows we're going to Pizza Hut. Tony's, you know, he's a little bit husky at this time, 
And he pulls me aside. He says, Jerry, if you make sure Tony only eats salad, I'll give you your varsity letter right now. You don't have to wait till the end of the season. Needless to say, I had to wait till the end of the season. Yeah, nobody's not letting me eat some pizza at all-you-can-eat buffet, buddy. All right, Joey, you go. Go! Uh, so this was after high school. Uh, and this is this is kind of an, attri- uh, an attribute or however you say it to the, the man he is. Um, I was, I was in ROTC and there was this PFT, uh, the, I mean, it was, this, this was one for the Navy SEALs, but it was called the Navy SEAL PFT. Um, and so for a lot of people out there who know about it, um, there's, there's a swim portion, right? So there's a swim portion, um, didn't have, I, I remember the workouts we did from like my junior year of high school. That's the only year I swam. Um, but I, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have much to really go off of. So my freshman year, uh, you know, gave him a call or shop an email, um, and he let me come swim uh, a few times to train for that 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 PFT. And like I said, the PFT was just for fun. It really didn't have anything to you know to do with my career. I knew I was you know heading for a Marine Corps uh, lifestyle. So, um, but yeah, Black I mean, just, just simply simply have me come in the pool, work out even after I had graduated, and, and prepare for that PFT. And uh, even my sophomore year, just simply. You know, let me come in and work out, um, and, and giving me some, giving me some, uh, some time. You know, to really keep working on my swimming, and uh, you know, I, I'd have to say it's been extremely beneficial to my military career. Um, just being able to swim and do swimming workouts uh, a couple times in Okinawa. You know, both deployments, I, I did a lot of swimming, and that goes all the way back to his his instruction, his coaching, uh, his guidance. Uh, in that sport so I, I really appreciate everything he's done he's he's made impacts on people's lives uh, I, i'm a prime example hundreds of uh, people beyond beyond Maybe thousands at least the sport beyond high school beyond college uh impacts so far they they uh even landed overseas so um jim lawrence if you're out there if you ever listen to this thank you for uh for everything you did praying for you man and uh you know I hope you uh, hope you beat this thing out. I like to, I like to point out that this ain't no obituary. These ain't no eulogy speeches. All right, we're just giving our Jim Lawrence moments. He's got plenty of good years ahead of him. All right, he's a fighter, and he taught us to be fighters, and he's gonna get through this pretty long. All right, he's a sparrow for a reason. For sure. <laughs> I still refer to him as Leprechaun because that's because I think the sparrow started when you were a sophomore, Jerry. Wasn't that? Yeah, Maroon Arnott started. started yeah, out. yeah. when I was a senior. So, I mean, for me, we always joked that he was a leprechaun because he's a short, red-headed guy. I mean, he's a great guy. Him and Brett, both both of our swim coaches. You know, for us as high school kids, you know, we're not always the most focused. We're not always the most uh, hardworking. Sometimes, you know, you get in the pool and you're like, I don't know if I really want to work too hard today. And, you know, they motivated you. They kept you going. And uh, probably one of my favorite moments was uh, this involves both of uh, Mr. Lawrence and Brett. When Mr. Lawrence, the day before our league meet my freshman year, is going over all the events. And he's, like, telling people, oh, you're swimming this, you're swimming that. And he gets to me and he says 50 and 100. So I'm figuring 50 and 100 freestyle. That's pretty much all I swam up to that point in meets was the 50 and 100 freestyle. We're on the bus going to the league meet, and Brett goes, "Oh, hey Tony, by the way, that hundred is a hundred butterfly." So I literally find out like two hours before I swim the event that it's now the hundred butterfly, not the hundred freestyle. 
And, and, and but for, for, for everyone out there who doesn't know the butterfly, I'm not even going to explain it. I'm just going to say this. The butterfly sucks. It sucks. So, Tony, continue. But I will say this. I went out there and I swam a minute and 22 seconds and 100 butterfly, which is not good at all. But somehow in that, Mr. Lawrence had the like ability to see that there was something there that he could take and run with. And he turned me into a guy who my senior year was swimming a minute two in the 100 butterfly. And I am not the kind of guy who has the physique for swimming. Yeah, I was going to say, Tony, you were swimming butterfly a lot. I'm a short fat kid. I should not be a swimmer. (laughs) So, bringing things up a little bit at the end here. Tony, although he doesn't have the body to be a swimmer, I think because Blubber's kind of buoyant, that it kept him on top of the water and being able to use both of his short stubby arms at once because he had a faster butterfly than his freestyle, which is unheard of. I think he literally just glit, like, Glided across the top of the water. He has those short stubby legs, so there's no drag on him. And he's just on top of the water, just, ah, ah, ah. But yeah, I, mean, yeah, I mean, I, say, I, I don't Tony, know how I, I did it. I, I can't. I it has to be swimming. somewhere between 5 and 15 times at a swim, a reverse IM 400 because of getting caught drinking pop. But, you know, it made me a better swimmer. He let me use flippers drinking once. That was cool. As in drinking soda, not it sounded like you said drinking pot. No, pot. I was going to say, I didn't Although, know you could drink pot. But I wasn't not a pot that. that I was smoking, but he did catch me smoking a cigarette, and he didn't tell uh, our parents on me. He said, Jerry, if I see it again, you're off the team. I'm going to tell your parents, but just don't do that shit. And I'm not going to lie. I told you I quit because I smoked on and off pretty much my entire college career, but I didn't smoke during season, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. He's a great man, you know. I w- Still is. It's Still funny. Is I, I'm going to end on this. You guys can add anything else you want. But I remember sitting there uh, every year just praying Mr. Lawrence didn't show up so I could go home and not swim that day. But I would give pretty much every dollar I have saved right now if I could go back and just have one more practice with the Sparrow. Dude, Honestly. I think the worst part was like you're sitting in the water, you know, kind of getting ready for the warm-up, right? And he's writing the workout up on the whiteboard, and it's just like <laughs> – yeah. You just watch him keep. You're like, just watching this like, workout, you're, and you're write a book. You know what I mean? Like, you want me to get you a laptop? No. The the funniest wow. part is when he writes on a really long one, and then he like goes across the top and writes warm up. Yeah. Oh my god. Like he'll, he'll like cover the whiteboard, and then he goes warm up, and you're like, God, I'm gonna hate today. Like, oh man. Well, that's the warm up, and he already filled up the whiteboard. I guess he's gonna erase it and put the. I can't go to the school board meeting, but they're gonna. The fifth thing on the agenda is whether or not they're gonna rename the pool after him. I couldn't imagine that Trent be dumb enough not to do something that kind to a man who's given his pretty much his entire coaching career. Well, I, know. I mean, he was a champion himself from Riverview in '69, I believe. He took the yeah. women's team in '95 to a state title. '67, when he was a senior at uh, Riverview, they won the state championship. At, at when He's, he was a student, I could go on and on forever about Mr. Lawrence. He's the man. I yeah. love you, JL. Well, I actually was going to say they're renaming the pool. I think it's they're going to rename it the Bill Miller and Jim Lawrence Nanatorium because uh, Mr. Miller was the coach before him. Well, he, I don't think he was the coach before him. I say we rock he was the very, Sparrow Dome. But he was very involved in swimming as well. So, I mean, Jerry and I know Mr. Miller. He's a uh, neighbor of our uh, – across from where our grandfather's house is. So – Air horn for Tony. All right, anything else for you today, Joe? Uh, I think I think we're good. I can't wait to uh to really just get back into routine, boys. I I think uh I think the sports are starting to pick up again. Like I mentioned, as soon as the Olympics are are through, we're 
we're full steam ahead and and past the summer blues. So we're gonna try good. to ring you. It's gonna be back on air. Can I don't know if we said it on air, but Frank got a new job working midnights at the hospital, big boy job taking care of people in the psych ward. As scary as that is, uh, so. You know, it's hard to work around the schedules. We love all our fans, and we're going to try to get as many episodes out as we can, hopefully one every week, definitely during football season, even if I do them myself. But sorry for being a little intermittent. We love you all. Uh, RIP Mike Sadler and Mr. Lawrence. You got to fight this thing for us, buddy. Yep. So as Jerry said, we're going to try and put out shows as often as possible. Also, I mean, we got the YouTube channel that they had me set up. I'm going to get on these guys, so that way if there's a week when we don't do a show – or if something happens in sports, so that way we can be a little bit more timely with our opinions on it. Get them to put out some videos out there. Which, I mean, of course, like the Facebook page, because they'll also be on our Facebook page when they're posted. That way you can stay up to date with us. Also, it'll also be on our Twitter. So that's twitter.com slash Podcast. Facebook is facebook.com slash revolutionarysportsfront. You can find us online at revolutionarysportsfront.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Give us a review on iTunes. Give us a thumbs up on Stitcher. If you want to just let us know how we're doing but don't want to put it out there on iTunes or Stitcher, email us at revolutionarysportsfront at gmail.com. Shoot us a message on Facebook. Leave a comment on our Facebook. You guys can easily get a hold of us there. Twitter, same thing. And also, any questions, anything you want to hear us talk about on air, because we love it when we're talking about something that the fans have asked us to talk about. So thank you to everybody who listens, and thank you for being a part of the Sports Revolution. We got some fan response coming next week. I'm sorry about uh, cut you off. I know you're about to cut it off. We can say the Sports Revolution again. But uh, we just had too much this week to get to, and we know it's a little bit long, but you can listen to chunks if you have to. We love you guys. Tony? Yeah, well, Jerry just interrupted me. Once again, so rude. I'm trying to thank people for listening to our show. All right, just say the ending line, Tony. Just say the ending line. (laughs) That's what I'm getting to here. Say it, Mabel! Thanks for being a part of the Sports Revolution. Adios, amigos!